This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Our house, our house is burning down. Our house is burning down. Oh my goodness. It's worse than we could have ever imagined, folks. Watch, uh, all of a sudden today, Matt Rule goes on the radio to address Panther Nation about uh, the 2021 season and beyond. And like the Wizard of Oz, when they pull back the curtain, it is worse than you expected. Worse than you expected. Our house is burning down. Sound like, I don't know if you guys have seen Revenge of the Nerds. Our house is burning down. It's a circus. It's a circus. I cannot tell you, Cody, how bad it is. The words that keep coming out of this man's mouth are, it's awful. It's awful. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. Here's my co-host, Cody Lashney. Tony Dunn, I really don't know who is accepting all these interviews for Matt Rule. Like, I know he has an obligation to speak, but every time he does, he just gives Panther fans more ammunition to just trash this man. Every time he speaks, he shows and demonstrates that he doesn't know what he's talking about, that he can't evaluate talent. And, and this interview that he did today on WFNZ, Tony, you kind of alluded to it. It takes the cake, man. This guy has foot and mouth disease. We're here to break it down on a Wednesday night. And you know what, Tony? As always... We're going to do it with the best Panther fans in all of YouTube. You already know them and love them. It's our boy Drew, ATX19, JG Lashley, Karen Choi, Matt Knows Nothing, Rex Smith, Shane Bradfield, Supreme Leader, Underground West, Zach Rose, Zach Simmons, 13, Tony Dunn. Ain't nothing to it but to do it, brother. Let's roll. Do you mind if we do it on Thursday night instead of Wednesday night? Yep. Dude, my nights are so <laughs> fucking backward, dude. Yeah, whatever uh, night, it is, whatever day that ends with a Y, it is happy to be here. We're streaming. Talking. It feels like we yeah. are streaming. <laughs> All right. Um. So, uh, we're gonna listen to the Matt Roll interview and react and pause it and talk through it as we go through. On top of that, I want to uh, remind everybody to smash the thumbs up button. Check out uh, the C Three Panthers podcast, the longest running Panthers podcast. It's live on Tuesday nights. 
got a lot of cool content coming out in the future uh or right now and in the near future about the draft coming up um the the what is it the uh not the senior bowl the combine yeah. there's senior a lot bowl. of free agency we're gonna have to do a lot on a lot of work on free agencies with the uh, free agents with the team and beyond targets and eventual acquisitions but right now we got to continue to um i guess clean up this mess that has become the matt rule era and i just want to say before we get started cody is that um matt rule has not been fired yet but i'm telling you dude a couple more interviews like this and i don't know how he's gonna do he's gonna pull a joe judge and talk himself into getting fired you know joe judge if he would have just kept his mouth shut probably would have still had a job for one more year as they tried to find their GM and some different things. But I tell you, he talked himself out of a job today. David Cully got fired. It's not too late just because it didn't happen on Monday. doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but boy, this audio, he should, I'm again, I'm waiting. I thought the post game press conference that he did on Monday was bad. I was expecting David Tepper to crash through the wall like cool like the kool-aid man and fire him but this radio interview today is a lot of stumbling a lot of bumbling a lot of excuses and a lot of just bad takes bad takes so let's go ahead and jump into it and see what these guys what this matt fool had to say today and i'm starting to feel bad for the dude like it's like not for him necessarily but like it's like, gosh, it's ugly. It's like a car wreck. Well, and and then at, at a certain point, um, you know, I, I want to say that maybe he did two interviews. Did he do one or two interviews? Because there one. was a bunch of things they that it were. Again. Yeah. Oh, okay. So uh, then at, at a certain point, he kind of elicits sympathy and talks about how he can't go to Hornets games because his family is going to get booed and just you know he makes it sound like they're going to be tormented by fans. But people are not booing his kids, his wife. Yeah, they're booing. They're, they're booing him, man. Yeah. There's there's so much to, to to get into, Tony. I mean, this guy has foot and mouth disease. If anyone ever had it. Well, let's time to insert foot into mouth. Here we go. Panthers head coach Matt Rule joins us now on the Mac Attack on FNZ. Coach, we appreciate you being a stand up dude and coming on here with us, man. How you doing this morning? I'm great. I'm glad to be on with you guys. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I, the first thing, because the, you're hearing all these various reports, I know you probably hear about them too, and it creates this you know, confusion among among the fans. Um, uh, there's been this talk that, hey, you know, your OC hire, you know, you have the Jay Glazer report, the OC hire is going to maybe determine if Matt Rule stays. Like, have you been told that, that, hey, your, this, this, your status hinges on the hire? Have you been, or have you been told flat out by David Tepper, hey, you're safe, chill out, don't listen to this, you're safe? Yeah, you know, I've, 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 I've never been told um, that my, my status depends on who I hire. Uh, in fact, every conversation I've had with, 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 with David uh, Tepper has been, you know, I, I think I saw him twice Monday, twice Tuesday, you know, it's always been, uh, long-term vision, long-term vision, long-term vision. Like, you know, hey, hey, you know, we know what we need to do. You know, we know we need to build the backbone of the team. You know, to control the line of scrimmage. We know we need to solidify ourselves at quarterback. 
you know, we know we need to, you know, get the staff where we want it. So it's all been, it's all been that. So, you know, I, I've been pretty consistent, you know, I'm not, I'm smart enough to know I'm not going to speak for somebody. I'm not going to speak for the owner, but he's never, uh, he's never uh, talked any other way other than, Hey, go out and hire a great staff guys you believe in. Uh, but more importantly, let's turn our attention to free agency, both our own guys that we want to resign. And, and then let's get started on the next guys. Let's get ready for the senior bowl, the East West game. And then let's, uh, let's attack the, the draft. And hopefully, hopefully guys, there's a combine this year and we can attack all those things. Yeah. Coach, you use the word process a lot in talking about building your, your program here, but it seems to hit a regression this year and gone backwards. Why do you think the process in your mind is still working the way you think it is? Well, you know, and, and let me just say this, like, you know, I think when I say that, okay, um, I just try to say like, Hey, you know, we have a, we have a goal we want to get to. We want to build a Super Bowl champion. I think when we took over in 2019, it was the end of a, a great run and, 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 you know, it was, it was a time for a turnover. It was time to rebuild the roster. So there had to just be a plan in place. And so when I say the word process, I just mean like, hey, just methodically just trying to attack that plan. For, you know, for, at first I was doing it with Marty. Now I'm doing it with Scott. And, man, this, this is a player's league. And so you have, to, you have to revamp the roster. And there were some good pieces left over, you know, guys like Shaq Thompson, guys like Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore. But we lost a lot of great pieces, the, the Luke Keekleys, the James Bradberries, the, you know, the Greg Olsons, the, you know, just go on and on and on and on. So, um, you know, year two, the, the, the record's the same. It's five and 12, man. It absolutely infuriates me and pisses me off and makes me mad. I mean, I'm, so I'm not sitting here saying like, hey, guys, everything's fine. Um, but I do see, I do have to do a good job of taking a 50,000 foot view and saying, okay, you know, um, how do we have a roster like they had in 2015? Well, uh, the way you do that is Derek Brown, you know, uh, becomes a great player. Brian Burns becomes a pro bowler. Um, JC uh, Horn becomes one of the top corners in the National Football League. Jeremy Chin uh, becomes a dominant player. DJ Moore becomes a dominant player. Christian McCaffrey, uh, we get him healthy. He becomes a dominant player. Timo, we re-sign Timo, but we, you know, we build the O-line along. So it's, it's not where you want it to be. But I think the steps we made defensively this year, and they weren't enough. Like I can tell you, if you talk to Phil Snow, he's not satisfied at all with defense. But when we when we had our guys out there, and we were pretty healthy up until you know kind of the end of the year. Um, I think we were, you know, we were one of the better defenses in the National Football League. It's just that you can't do that on both sides of the ball in, in the modern era. They draft, you know, when the salary cap went backwards, it wasn't like we had more money to go out and make big signings. So I, I feel like the roster's better now than it was after the exodus of 2019. I feel like guys like Tommy Trump. All right. Yeah. Pause number one. Pause number one. Reaction. My reaction to this is that he implies that, you know, okay, how do we get back to that 2015 level of dominance? And then he starts mentioning players like we saw a progression in those players. I mean, the first player he mentions is Deion, or uh, pardon me, Derek Brown. He said, you draft Derek Brown, you know, Brian Burns goes to the Pro Bowl. And, dude, you know, like, to him, Brian Burns being selected to the Pro Bowl, that's like a feather in his cap almost, right? You know, he thinks that that, like, says something good about him and his coaching staff. Uh, to, to me, it's ridiculous, you know. And when he talks about this process, uh, I mean, it, it's everything that Matt Rule says sounds good in theory. But then you realize that there is no method to the madness. If they had a process 
of actually getting better, and they were attacking each and every step uh, in you know in order to continue along that process. Then all they did was fail this year because they never got any better. So it's like if they're not, I think that they're defining goals, but they're not helping the players actually develop towards those goals. I don't hear anything about an actual process. I just heard him right. talk about adding better players or needing to get better players, right? And continuing to add good players. He acted like the roster was completely devoid of talent in the doldrums of um, kind of like a Jacksonville, you know what I'm saying, where you're taking over something that has been historically bad or a Detroit-type environment, right. right? And while the Panthers did have a lot, an aging defense, right, um, last year they came out and went five. They haven't gotten any better. It says actually they've stayed the same for the last five years or four years, right? I mean, it's been 5-12 yeah. and 12 every year it feels like. But here's the thing is that you can't say the process is working. The process is working when you don't define a process. You deflected to just like, hey, we're just at, we got to add better players. But what yeah. this didn't demonstrate was a understanding of how to build roster, build a roster. It didn't talk about kind of uh, here's year one, work on the defense, year two. What was years two? What was year two plan then? Yeah, like how, like yeah. what, what, what went wrong? What was supposed to be different in year two that you guys weren't able to do in year one? And how did you approve upon that? And they didn't. They got worse. And they even asked him that later on in the interview as well. Um, my man said we should change our name to the Hornets podcast. Right now is a good time. I mean, how hell it would have been a tough. That would have been a tough podcast to have for a long. For a long yeah. <laughs> time. It feels like that's what we're actually walking into. The Panthers are becoming what the Hornets were. Yeah. Um, the The next thing is, is what are you talking about with the, the salary cap rolling back? And you can't do a, what he basically said is, is that it was a shit show mess and I can't fix it overnight. Yeah. And then he uses like problems with money. Um, COVID, you know what I'm saying, because the cap didn't expand as maybe as much as they thought it was going to expand, but it didn't go backwards. It didn't go backwards. The cap hasn't gone backwards in years. It may have stayed similar than it was, you know, not jumped as much as it was supposed to. But what this doesn't do is answer the question at all. And in fact, the, pan the, uh, the fans are not upset that the Panthers just had a losing record. Going, winning two more games, I don't know if it would have changed my outlook that much on the team, right? Is that it is, it looks disastrous. It sounds like there is no plan. It's like, uh, he's like, uh, the, like, uh, what's the bird box movie? <laughs> when they're like floating around with a blindfold on. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I mean I that's what bird, it, yeah, bird, bird box where they couldn't. Yeah, couldn't see I mean anything. that's what the plan is. The plan is to float down the river blind. Yeah, let's hear let's hear some more from Matt Rule. Boys, uh, shoot, Brady Christensen, Terrace Marshall, like they got their feet wet this year, but they're going to be good players. So yeah, when I say the process is working, I don't mean that we had a good year this year, and I don't yeah. mean that anyone shouldn't be angry about this year. 
But I, I, I just believe that this is a player's league. This is a talent acquisition league. And we lost a lot, a lot of great players at the end of, uh, you know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I, I go back and watch that all or nothing uh, sometimes, you know, that they, that they did. I think it was 2018, right? You know, we were bad. I mean, it, it, it's Julius Peppers. It's, it's Ryan Khalil. It's Luke Keekley. It's Greg Olson. It's Cam Newton. It's, I mean, it's, it's some of the best players to, to, to play this game. It's Pro Bowlers, the Hall of Famers. So the goal is to get back to that, that type of a roster, and, and that's by developing our own players, but also bringing in a bunch of young players, um, and then hopefully now being able to have some money to sign some guys in free agency to help put us over the top. Coach, you talk about building that roster, right, and building it back and getting back to where we have this next generation of great players in Carolina. The way you've gone about building the roster, and it was you with Marty for one year, you and Scott Fitterer for, for this, this second year, um, uh, it's, it's been very heavy on the defensive side of the ball, and I love watching this defense play, and it shows, right, from 18th to 2nd in the rankings. But the offense has really struggled as a result of that. The offensive line, it feels like, hasn't been addressed, you know, you know, near sufficiently. The quarterback situation is still in flux. Like, do you look at this and, and, and still believe we're doing it the right way? Or do you kind of look back and wish you did it a little more balanced in terms of, you know, maybe addressing some of that offensive stuff and not going so heavy defense? Yeah, you know, it, it's always hard, I'll, I'll be honest, not because that's my ego or because I want to say I was all, it's hard for me always to say, hey, we made a mistake here because that guy's still playing for us. And I'd hate to hear one of our players hear me say, like, yeah, I never should have signed this guy, right? So I hope when you guys hear me and when fans hear me and I don't throw a player under the bus. I want to throw him under the like, bus. Yeah. You know, one thing I know I didn't do this year uh, is, is, is the guys played to the very end of the season. We never lost the roster. And one of the reasons why we never lost the team is because – we never blamed the team. You know, it was always, hey, you know, we have to just get better. And all that being said, if I'm being completely honest with you guys, like when when we got here, we thought because in free agency, you know, we went out, we got Robbie Anderson, um, we signed Russell Okun, who was a, at the time was a Pro Bowl left tackle. We tried to address the offense, which had been in pretty good shape. Like the year before, uh, Marty had drafted Greg Little in the second round. So we had... Taylor Moten at right tackle, who looked like was going to be a you know a guy that we would resign, which we ended up doing. We had draft traded up to draft Greg Little before I got here, so there was a young left tackle who had been hurt, but you know it seemed like hey maybe he's the future. We added in a pro when bowler. When did they Russell think that? We had Matt Paradis who. But, all right, hold on. Hold Marty on. Herney thought that he's saying that Martin, you know the previous. Do you know regime. how long ago that was though? Yeah, dude, it's embarrassing. It didn't just though. happen the year before. Greg Little yeah. didn't make the roster with Rivera very well, right? Isn't that mean like he had – we're talking about – when was Greg Little drafted? 2017? Yeah, I believe 2017 because it was right after Brian Burns. It was 17 – yeah, I believe it was 17. I'm about to look it up. Yeah, no, oh. you're right though. And then he like goes on to blame like – 2019. Know, it, it, oh, okay. It was 2019. Really? Man, yeah. so I guess he just had one year before he but came But even here. still, it's like it goes down to an evaluation thing. I mean, you can go back to Greg, Greg Little's college film and see that he wasn't an adequate left tackle. I mean, I remember saying but that. That was two years draft, ago, too. right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that was two years ago. And we just watched the worst offensive line. It got worse. It got worse. So you're yeah. like, that was a miss. Yeah, it was a miss, but we got worse after that too. 
Let's keep going. I mean, because like he went on that team last year. We traded him. Right? We traded him to the Dolphins, right? Yeah, we traded him. Or was to the that Dolphins. that wasn't this year, was it? Did we trade him yeah, this year? Yeah, that was uh Maybe. that was uh early in this year. Yeah, yeah because okay. remember we were debating whether or not it would be Cam Irving or Greg Little potentially holding down the left tackle spot. Right. We were like, neither of them. Okay. This is where it starts to get really bad, folks. Yeah. Unfortunately got hurt this year. So the offensive line, this you know, kind of where we are right now was not where we were, uh, you know, coming in, going into 2020. Uh, you had Ian Thomas, who people were high on, and Chris Manhurst, who ended up getting paid a lot of money. So I, I think we tried to address the offense that year. You know, you had CMC. We tried to address it in free agency. You know, we signed Teddy. We signed Robbie. Um, we brought in Russell. And we had some veterans there. If you looked over at what happened on defense, you know, um, I think there was nine free agents that year on defense coming off the defense from 2019, and they – I think they, I think they all left. That might be eight or eight of the nine left, and then obviously Luke uh, retired. So it was, it wasn't really a matter of, hey, what's our preference? You know, when we looked at the D line board, there was K1 Short um, at outside backer. There was Brian Burns and Marquise Haynes. I think there was FA Obata, and there was there was no one else. You know, uh, Marty had already decided to let Mario go. Uh, Vernon Butler was leaving. Uh, Gerald McCoy was leaving. Don Terry Poe was leaving. Uh, I might be forgetting somebody. So. It was like, uh, you know, how are we going to line up on defense? Not necessarily, hey, my preference is to rebuild uh, the defensive line. So all that being said, last year in the draft, you know, you get to the draft, you're sitting there saying, hey, we're either going to take uh, a corner because of, of you know, our, our, our issues the year before or an offensive lineman. You know, you had Penny Sewell, you had J.C. Horn. Penny went before us, J.C. was there. Guys, I'll be honest with you, I think J.C. Horn's going to be a fundamental piece of Carolina's success for a long time. I would take J.C. Horn again, and I hate that he got hurt, but I'd take him 10 times out of 10. Yeah, but the, but you passed on Slater, though. You passed Passing on Rashawn Slater in hindsight, I think, frustrates a lot of fans. Yeah, and, you know, um, that, that, that was, a, that was a, a harder decision. You know, uh, Rashawn yes. hadn't played the year before. Um, you know, he w- wasn't ideal tackle size. Uh, you know, there was a lot of questions as, hey, is he a guard? Same thing with uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. And it was really, hey, are you going to take a guy who's a guard uh, at this at this number? You know, I think uh, Rashawn, I've had a chance to go back and watch Rashawn. You know, he, he's he's playing out in the Chargers with a really mobile quarterback. He's a, he's a, he's a really good player. Um, oh, he's playing I think with a mobile quarterback. Whole year. I mean, if you go back to that Saints game, I mean, he was dominant. Had he played the whole year, I think people would be really excited about J.C., um, but you know, you, we both know that the issues are the issues when you lose games. Um, then All right. here is oh the first, God, dude. here's the first, um, problem, right? Is that at some point you might just need to say less, right? Is that because at the end of the day, you got to know that you have been taking heat for the arm length comment and Brady Christensen. Yes. Right. And you have doubled down on it throughout the season and you get more blowback, more blowback. And then just on Monday, your GM takes a shot at you and says some people are all worried about arm length, but you can overcome that. Yes. What he said when he says some people, he means Matt rule. And so here now you've got a guy 
And I don't know if you're like just out of tune with what's going on in the NFL. I mean, I can understand how that might be the case kind of if you're not watching and playing those teams, right? Is that you're so busy looking on your opponents and what's going on. But I would think that you would have some understanding of of people and how they're doing in the NFL as a way of kind of guiding your future decision-making a little bit. But Rashawn Slater is now arguably the best player. He had the best season out of any left tackle. And don't yeah. tell me it's because Justin Herbert's running around out there. I promise Dude. you that. That's not even how they're using Justin Herbert. No. And so so what I don't understand, I do understand you believing in J.C. Horn. I do understand that we could be upset that, like, it's hard, it's easier for us to be upset about our pick when we didn't get to see them, right? It's like you had a shiny toy and you got and it got no you got in a car accident with your brand new car in the first week and now you got the rental. Right. But what this does, like what you don't need to do is undermine another player out there who is having a phenomenal season. And then the fact of the matter is he is blatantly telling the entire world that they do not know how to evaluate talent. What about Rashawn Slater's film? And by the way, uh, uh, Q Gibson said people weren't really high on Slater like that coming into the draft. Go back and watch the video that I did on this very channel about Rashawn Slater before he was drafted. I said that he was the best left tackle coming out in the draft, even better than Penny Sewell. But Tony, this is what depresses me. It pisses me off more than anything else about Matt Rule is that there is zero evaluation to what they're doing. What about Rashawn Slater's college film said to you that he would be a guard in the NFL? His arm length was never a problem for him when going up against edge rushers when he was playing at Northwestern. He was never bull rushed. It's not like he was undersized and was getting bullied by bigger, better, stronger talent. It never happened. It literally never happened. And it's the same thing with Brady Christensen. Brady Christensen had fantastic film playing left tackle at BYU, was one of the most athletic left tackles to ever come through the draft. And yet they evaluated him as a guard rather than a left tackle. It is the dumbest shit imaginable. And then he's putting even more egg on his face when Rashawn Slater, as you said, not only is he going to the Pro Bowl, almost an all-pro, but he looks like the best left tackle in football, Tony Dunn. He has flashes like that where he looks like the best blindside left tackle in the NFL. And then you want to equate it to, oh, well, he has a mobile quarterback. You know what that's like, like what he's trying to say? Oh, well, you know, uh, Justin Herbert could evade the pressure if Rashawn Slater ever lost his matchups. Like, bitch, please. He's saying that he looks that Justin Herbert is making Rashawn Slater look better uh, than he is. And um, I, I know that, well, maybe uh, analysts, uh, it depends on what analysts you were talking about, too, about how they evaluated Rashawn Slater. But he was just, he was number two on pretty much everybody's list of tackles, right? There weren't many people ahead of him 
uh, I mean, you know, I mean, or there weren't a lot of he, people weren't just not talking about Rashawn Slater. In fact, right. I mean, he was taken at 13. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the Chargers, they thought he was good. Right. Yeah. The Chargers like that and they needed a left tackle and they didn't trade. And, and to be honest, is that he didn't even have the bumpy start like Penny Sewell did. I think Penny Sewell might even be playing right tackle. Yeah, right they, kind of, they kind of moved Penny Sewell from right to left. Yeah. But Slater, you know, but like he had kind of had a slow start and yeah. people were worried about it. And, you know, the hot take was that he wasn't, he was going to not be as advertised, but he's playing well too. He is. But here's the thing is that number one, um, I think what Matt Rule is failing to see here is that people aren't upset that we took J.C. Horn entirely. Right. Like, I mean, like, is that man, some fans are right? Some fans are easily saying J.C. Horn. See, we screwed up. We screwed up. But even me, who um, I believe that like a shutdown corner is a, a worthy pick, right? Yeah. And I saw the traits of an elite player. Yes. But the problem is, is that we didn't address the offensive line at all, really. You know, right. you're waiting till the third round. Like, what it didn't seem is that despite you being in love with J.C. Horn, you didn't see it imperative to improve the line like you saw it was imperative to improve the defensive line the year before. Yes. Right? You saw that. And what about this is does that also, does the conversation of, we don't want to take a guard in the top 10, which I know how people say that, but I've seen guards go top 10 before. And you know what? They turn out to be great players. But then wouldn't you want to say the same thing about a defensive tackle, a run stop and defensive tackle that you don't want to take them in the top 10? Like your argument, like yes. you've been making. Like, I mean, then, if that's the case, if Rashawn yes. Slater's just a guard, well, then Derek Brown's just a D tackle. But by the way, if you also remember, the Indianapolis Colts took Quentin Nelson with the top five pick. Are you going to tell me that an elite level guard isn't worth that pick? I mean, look at what Quentin Nelson's doing right now. I, I mean, he's I a, think a, an elite level player is worthy of elite pick. Yes. 100%. It's like, I mean, except for like a kicker, right? You know what I mean? Like other than that, every position that's going to play a lot of downs, having an elite, Play, like the best of the best at that position is not a bad thing. It doesn't make your roster worse. That's for sure. Particularly when you don't have any answers at guard either. So yes. this is where we're this is where we're upset. And here's the last point I want to make about this arm length thing. I think I'm on to something. And I said this before on our podcast. This might be a weakness of his evaluation that stems from not being at a top school in college. Matt Rule had to get three-star recruits and get them to play like four-star recruits. Yeah. He had to hope that he could find guys and mold them into what he wanted, right? Because Temple and Baylor weren't getting the top commitments, you know, but they were playing teams. They're playing teams that have better players. Right. And you think about this, if you think of one of the big accomplishments that Matt Rule did was beat Penn State when he was at Temple. Right. And so same Philadelphia, two Pennsylvania teams, the big brother and the little stepbrother. Temple never would get the recruits that could compete. So, like, I mean, like Penn State is always going to kind of have the advantage. Like a, it's like Alabama. 
You know, they, they just have the better players against uh, Cincinnati. Now, Matt Rule, I think, had to look so much at what players, what, like what the attributes of what a tackle could be or what a wide receiver could be, and then go find guys like that that were raw and teach them to be that. You don't have to do that in the NFL. You just get the best player. Yeah, you, you get the best player. And, you know, if you remember, we have like a multi-million dollar analytics department. What about their evaluation process is in any way analytical? It isn't. It isn't at all, man. They're they're going with tropes from 20 years ago about positions. Like these are the guys that would miss on some on you know, I mean Russell Wilson was an undersized quarterback. Yet he was drafted, and most people think that guy's pretty damn good. So you would have passed on him because he didn't meet your size credentials. Dude, it's it's absolutely embarrassing, man. And what I think is the most embarrassing is that fans like us can go and look at Rashawn Slayer on film and say, you know what? That's a damn good left tackle. I would love to have that dude on my Carolina Panthers team. And the fact that our coaches see it almost completely differently, like they're in the upside down. It's an entirely different thing than it actually is. It's 100% embarrassing. And yes, you made the point on J.C. Horn. Most of us think that J.C. Horn is going to be a damn good football player. No one really, I mean, he was my number one corner in that draft. But to think that a corner is more important than either a franchise left tackle or a franchise quarterback, both of which were available with that pick, and yet you still took a corner and in the same season went out and got Stephon Gilmore and C.J. Henderson, and you had Dante Jackson and A.J. Bouye. Corner was not as big of a need as not, left tackle was. And not he to went. mention you let Rasul Douglas walk in free agency, go to the Packers, and have the best season of his career. And Rasul Douglas was one of my favorite players on the team last year. Um, and there were some moments where he got, you know, uh, exposed at times, but it was like uh, nobody else around helping him. At, uh, also, it felt like. And uh, he also made some very important plays. He's gone on and had a so it almost is like this is that I feel like if we go into free agency at the end of this year, my odds are that there are more quality defensive backs available than there are quality offensive linemen and quarterbacks. Yes. Right. And so yes. that is important. And then the, I don't know. I don't know. This is like, uh, it's just like, it's tone deaf. It's tone deaf, especially if you know what the problems are and the problem is offensive line. Yeah. Like this is not the best answer to give. Yes. Uh, the, the fact that he is a pro bowl left tackle. And then after the fact still says, well, we viewed him as a guard, therefore not worth the top 10 pick. But like you said, the run stuff in defensive tackle was worth the top 10 pick the year before. Yeah. There's no evaluation. You, the, the other thing is I'm starting to worry um, that these guys are too combine uh, aroused. Right. Yeah. And what that is, is like, think of like John Ross, who ran that super awesome 40 time. And then he got drafted by the Bengals at like a top five pick or something like this. Yeah, and, and like tore his hamstring instantly. It sounds like 
that this team, if this evaluation of Rosan Slater, I think shows to me what this is is like that fear. Which the combine is supposed to verify what you see on tape, not change your mind about a guy who you didn't believe in in the first place. So you don't find guys with bad tape and then they have good combine performances and go, you know what, these dudes are going to be great. You find people with great tape and then their combine performances prove the tape, verify that the speed, you know, the, yes. the things that the traits you believed in. And so this is, so wait, you're like, you're looking at that film. You're looking at Rashawn Slater and you're like, man, this guy could be it. He could be, he's going to be a player in the NFL. He's going to be a starter in the NFL. We know that. And then you're like, man, he could play tackle. He could play guard. Right. Looks like it. Yeah. And then you get to the evaluation day and you go, you know what? One inch too short on his arms. Damn. Sorry. Not worth it. It's silly. It's silly. And also how many knowledgeable, and also how many knowledgeable people have come out since then saying openly that Matt rule is ridiculous for even having those thoughts that, that a player can't overcome you know, 33 or whatever, 32-inch arms, whatever Christensen has, that that he can't, you know, that he can't overcome that. And by the way, he even goes on to kind of like say later in the interview that he wished he would have played Christensen more at left tackle. Like Panther fans were literally begging him to do this entire fucking season. And he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. It don't like this, do if it. this guy has no. You know what? He has not taken any accountability so far in this interview. Right now, the decision process has been fine. The outcomes have not been wanted, desired. That's what he's saying. Next, let's keep going. You know, everyone's going to be frustrated. I'm frustrated. You're frustrated. Yeah. Fans are frustrated, than they should be. And so, yeah, passing on Rashawn. You know, I, that, that's that's something that I know people people bring up. Um, I just hope you guys understand for me when I walk in that locker room, you know, JC Horn has to look at me and say like, Hey, that guy believes in me. And I think he was on his, we, we thought he was on his way to defensive rookie of the year. Um, just yeah. the way he played. He's he played playing great. Game game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how he plays moving forward. He looks healthy. And I know he's, he's got an edge about him that uh, is special. So, but, you, but we know, we know where we need to go next. And I just think for me guys to, to be able to turn the roster over in, in a year, in a year. And, Again, when I say turn around, I'm talking as the coach. You know, we had a great conversation yesterday. I mean, Marty Marty ran the draft two years ago. Scott did a great job running the draft last year. I'm not sitting in my office, you know, up 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 in some tower, Whoa. running the entire football operation, making the draft, doing the free agent stuff. I'm a piece of this. I try to be a good piece of it. But there's tough decisions that are, that are made that, that sometimes I have some influence in. Sometimes they're not what I want. Um, but we're working is hard to come lie? together to make the fans happy and make and, and bring a winner here. Pause it. That's a lie, right? Sure sounds like it. Didn't we just find out that Matt Rule has like final say so on all football decisions? That's what was reported by Joe Person. But I, I don't know if it's a lie because you know David Tepper says that he brought in he's like the the peacemaker remember the interview he did at the beginning like at the after the draft or something like that and and they talked about how he was the tiebreaker you know is that yeah. uh that there was putting it i just think this is that it seems very strange to me that marty herney it, well, it seems like this is we drafted all defense in 2020 that was marty's choice not my choice 
right? If if this ain't a lie, if it's it could be a lie, it could be part true, but it certainly is you deflecting blame to other people. Do you feel like maybe he heard what Federer said in Federer's press conference and like what Matty Matt says here? Now it kind of seems like he's saying, hey, don't blame me on that. You know, there's other guys that are making decisions about this football team, too. It sure sounds like it to me, man. It yeah. sure sounds. Or you know what is that? This ain't my fault. This ain't my fault is what he's saying. Now, right. what you're doing is this, is that uh, you're t- you just threw the former GM – you know, all the bad, all the good decisions because of me. Any mistakes, bad decisions, it's because of other people. Yeah. But let, let's not believe this. And this is where it is a lie, I think. Um, you th- you're trying to tell me a GM that we just had that been GM for five minutes for the Carolina Panthers was overruling you? Overruling right. you, yeah, He's right. That rule. Oh, come on! Now it does make me wonder: uh, is that were there guys that were Fitterer's guys that he liked a lot, and like was Terrace Marshall Jr. one of these guys, or yep. was Brady Christensen one of these guys? And that isn't who Rule had wanted at the time, which may. There is some dissension going on right right now. Absolutely. This right here is not stand-up. This is not a stand-up move by Matt Rule. No, I, I personally think that Federer and Matt Rule don't get along. I'm starting to rumor, dude. Matt Rule and Scott Federer don't get along. You heard it here first. Dude, the way that they're kind of like uh, subtly taking shots at one another now that the heat is on, and listen, I'm on. This I'm is on why you, didn't, you don't do it the way we did it. We've said yeah. this from the beginning. You don't yes. hire a GM and a coach separately because this is what happens. Yes. yes, this is always what happens. This is always what happens. I believe that Fitterer wasn't Matt Rule's choice for GM. I still believe this. Matt Rule was really slow to speak after the hiring of, G, of the GM Scott Fitterer. Guess who was there? introducing him david tepper who wasn't there live in person was matt rule last year when this happened i think that matt rule wanted someone else and david tepper wanted to kind of get a balance check or a counterweight to matt rule and got scott fitterer because i remember the press conference or the when he did a zoom meeting interview about the hiring of Scott Fitter in the process right and he didn't seem like overly ecstatic to be working with Scott he was just like yeah we're gonna you know as I'm looking forward to it just seemed very um mild Same same thing like after we signed Cam Newton it was the same kind of temperament like he was forced into something and now he was giving you all the cliche you know yeah. answers about them being brought on oh they're you know a great person i'm excited to work with them but but, 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 but. i agree with if you, you. hear think- this part well listen i want to listen to this one more time this one yep. little part because this is this is where it goes oh crap this is this dude ain't ready yes. matt rule is and i we were sold with the, it's so crazy what we were sold as matt rule's strengths have not been it they have not become like it's like they've actually he's not been this teacher, 
right? He has not had this steady the course builder mentality. It has been, um, he's it's like a con. We got conned here. Listen, yeah, to this. um, just yeah. the way he plays, he's he plays playing great. Game game. So we'll, we'll we'll see we'll see how he plays moving forward. He looks healthy, and I know he's he's got an edge about him that uh, is special. So, but you, but we ne- we know where we need to go next, and. I just think for me, guys, to, to be able to turn the roster over in, in, a, in a year. And, again, when I say turn the roster, I'm talking as the coach. You know, we had a great conversation yesterday. I mean, Marty, Marty ran the draft two years ago. Scott yeah. did a great job running the draft year. last year. Now I'm not two. sitting in my office, you know, up, up, up in some tower, running the entire football operation, making the draft, doing the free agents. I'm, I'm a piece of this. I try to be a good piece of it. But there's tough decisions that, that are made that, that sometimes I have some influence in. Sometimes they're not what I want. Um, but we're working as hard as we can together to make the fans happy and make and, and bring a winner here. Sometimes we're talking they're to Panthers head coach Matt Rule here on the. Te- Did you I'm hear that last you. part? He said, "Sometimes they're not what I want." Meaning right. the decisions. Yeah. This is this is not the team guy, for a guy that preaches team, team, team. Team, team, the brand that's bigger than the player's name type thing. Like, I bet you, like, he's the type of guy, like, that's going to be his suggestion. He's like, let's take the name plates off of the jerseys. And because it's about the logo on the front, not the back, you know, or whatever, on the shoulder, not the name on the back. It's about the brand. Dude, this is Joe Judge. This is Joe Judge. Joe Judge just got fired. You know, Joe Judge talked himself out of a job by doing saying weird, stupid shit like this. I'm telling you, this yeah. is not good. Not good. No. I'm guessing, Coach, in talking about fan frustration, the fans have been loud and boisterous, whether it's on social media, at the Hornets games, chanting your name. They, they've they've made the... They, they, they've made it known that how they feel about you right now. Do you, do you hear that noise and how do you respond to the fan backlash towards you right now? Um, you know, I, I didn't hear it at the game. Um, uh, you know, obviously my, 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 son's on the field with me, you know, he's my, he's, he, he, you know, after the game, he, he, he told me about it. Um, you know, my wife was at the game with my, our young daughters, you know, she told me about it. You know, my, my, my response to our kids is always, hey, hey, if you want the good, you have to take the bad, you know. And, you know, I know it was college and it was different, but there was a lot of backlash against me at, at Baylor. I was a guy from New York City that moved to Texas to replace a guy that, you know, had just almost taken them to the national championship games and was fired wrongly. And all I did was take his championship program and go 1-11 the first year. And so I was not Didn't real popular there. sex cover-up, um, and, and so all I learned yeah, was, he like, came okay, off well, of losing, so what should I do? I should... I shouldn't cry about it. I should just try to get us to the point where we're winning. Um, you know, the Hornets game, I, you know, I just kind of told Bryant, like, hey, buddy, buddy, I don't think we're going to be able to go to any Hornets games this year. And, um, you know, I just try to be the best father that I can be. And um, so, I, so what does that impact me? You know, no, I mean, I, I wish people were excited, but they'd be excited if we were winning. And no one's more angry that we're not winning yet than me. Um, I just, you know, I just know that oh, I've got to do the right things this off season with Scott and with our coaches to get us there. So that people are excited next year, um, you know, th- does it affect my family? It absolutely affects my family, and so I, I feel bad sometimes that my job puts my kids in a position where you know they feel not wanted. But I, you know, shoot, that's that's all part of it. I signed up for it. I chose it, um, and I'll say this: there's a lot of people in Charlotte. I mean, there's a lot of people in Charlotte who have gone way, way, way out of their way to be supportive of me, but more importantly, of my wife and kids that treat us well. So. You know, I understand it. 
I, I just hope that uh, I just hope that I can do a good enough job as the coach to put a product out there, you know, that, that people uh, people feel excited about. Don't All right. This has gotten a lot of. Yeah, uh, this this part of the interview had some legs on the internet today. Yes, I saw Brett Coleman tune in and say that Panther fans that do this, that are booing at his children, yeah. his wife, are like basically scum. And uh, let me tell I you, think- he got ratio too, man. It, all his comments and quote tweets, he heard about it. Brett Coleman did. Yeah, Brett okay. Coleman. We should give him the opportunity to come on the show and apologize. Uh, he <laughs> yeah. said uh this is another excuse another deflection um and and don't worry he should say son um look at this badass house you got look at this how you're set for life now because we made 64 million dollars or whatever it is don't don't be i have trouble feeling sorry for people that got the best life it's like when rich people are crying so much about uh, the taxes and how the system is screwing them. You're the you're the ones that run the shit. So let's not feel sorry for billionaires and trillionaires. But I mean, at the same time, I do want to bring up that, like, I thought the guys that had the fire Matt Rule T-shirts were cool behind the game day. You know, they invested their money. They went and planned this. It was, you know, thoughtful. And maybe one time where you get it going. But I do think it's kind of cruddy that like people are making it a about them now where they're trying. It's like becoming hip to start the fire mat rule chance at the Hornets games. I don't think that that's, you know, it's like I think it's getting played out like it's not very classy. It's not classy. But I do think you could have the opinion that firing Matt rule. I don't think that that's it's unfair. I do think you could be classy about it. Um the kids, I mean, they didn't, I don't even think they were at the game. He was just saying we can't go to Hornets games because you might get the fire mat rule chant broken out at any moment. Um, the last point I do want to make is again, this sounds tone deaf to me. The it is, this is, we won two more games. They're not calling for me to fire, get fired. And I don't think that is the problem. The problem, the reason that people want Matt Rule fired is interviews like this, where he said, I'm not the guy up there making the decisions. You know, yes, you are. Yeah, he is. And we literally and, found out that he's like the chief decision maker in the building. He then, lies in this interview. Then again, this is what you do is you say, I can't fix this. I got a hand of the shit, a mess. Yeah, well, yeah. you know what? Coaches that get fired, uh, take on new jobs, don't take over. Generally, like the only people that get to take over the best job is Mike Tomlin because he was appointed, anointed by, like he, like Bill Cowher stepped away. Like it's like my time. He's bowed out, right? But usually, you are taking over terrible clubs, right? But this idea that you, no one is upset with the lack of talent, saying that the talent level on the team was really good when you got here and you didn't make the most of it. What we're upset about is the process, the process, the plan is a non-planned plan. There's no plan, right? The the problem wasn't that we got worse from last year to this year. The problem is, is that we got worse without getting stronger. Well, he even mentioned, yeah. He mentions it later in the interview. They talk about the backslide 
from last year. There was some, you know, some games that were three point difference to now most of them being 14 point difference. And it goes back to that process thing. Matt rule doesn't have a process because if that were true, we would see some of the better players on the football team taking another step this year. Deontay, or not, I keep on saying Deontay, Derek Brown was benched this year. Our yeah, top and he was just pick, saying that he's got to be an elite player, and you benched him. Yeah, none of our players are, are getting better because of you. Even Brian Burns, a lot of fans, myself included, kind of feel like he ended up getting picked over Hassan Reddick, who was far more deserving to go to the Pro Bowl. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like nothing he says is actually true when you look at the football team. And, man, um, son, I know that this is tough to hear. They're booing us, but I'm not doing a really good job. And you know what's tougher to hear is the phone call, the guys on the other, the dead silence on the other end when I fired those guys. How do you think their families feel, Matt Rule? They ain't yeah. getting chanted. Uh, how's Joe Brady's family feel? I know he's young and single, so it might be okay there. But Pat Meyer, right? You just fired two defensive line coaches back to back in two consecutive years. You fired Chase Blackburn. Now, I think I'm surprised Chase Blackburn made it from last year to this year. But um, come on. Again, you're out there firing people, and then you want us to feel sorry that people are saying fire you? Hmm. Yeah, no one should feel sorry for him. No one was booing his children. They were booing him. And Panther fans have every right to do it. And, of course, they're going to boo you at a game. Like, that's the Panthers game, of course. All right, let's keep going. Don't don't want to be frustrated with Matt Rule with us here talking um, uh, about uh, the situation with the Panthers right now. Coach, we got to talk about the quarterback situation while we have you here. And that's another one that frustrates us as Panther fans. I just I've looked at it like, you know, you've gone after guys that, you know, to a schmuck like me on the outside, it's appeared like for when you signed them. Well, that guy's not going to be the franchise quarterback. And you have not gone after a young one in the draft, had a chance at a Fields or a Mac Jones this year. Like what has been the thought process on, you know, Teddy and Sam? Because to someone like me on the outside, it just it looks like you're throwing darts at the wall while you're blindfolded. Like it just looks like long shots that they will be franchise guys. I love the question. I think the thought with uh, uh, Teddy two years ago was 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 was, you know, he was coming off. You know, I mean, he, he was a first-round draft pick. He had taken his team to 13-3 and three in Minnesota and then had that terrible knee injury. Had gone to New Orleans, had um, had won five in a row. And so, uh, you know, we, we and we weren't the only team. You know, we were, we, were, we were bidding against some other teams to try to get, you know, he obviously knew Joe Brady's system. Um, we thought, okay, he's a guy that can come in here. And, and I think part of the problem was just part of the part of the thought process was, was, hey, let's stabilize the position, get a good veteran in here, and then when the chance comes to, you know, to draft a, what we think might be a franchise quarterback, and the numbers on hitting on franchise quarterbacks are less than 50%. I think we all know. I think it's like in the 20%. He's scared. But let's get a veteran quarterback, kind of like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith, and then if a, if a Mahomes comes along, let's, let's take Patrick Mahomes, you know? So when oh. I, and I say Mahomes, I mean a guy in the draft. So that was the thought process. You had the opportunity you know, obviously, to. Obviously, Teddy, uh, you know, we, we, we had some close games. Um, you know, there was a lot of, there was a lot of, you know, frustration with Teddy. Obviously, I mean, you know, the people of the city love Cam Newton. Cam's awesome. He's a great player, is a great player, is a great teammate. Was one of my favorite parts of this year was being a part of him. 
Um, you know, there was kind of, you know, Teddy, Teddy struggled through the end of the year, got banged up. Um, you know, we made a decision organizationally just to like, Hey, you know what, let's, let's, let's try to go get a younger quarterback now and see what happens. So obviously made some runs at some guys, almost thought we had some guys that could have been franchise quarterbacks to be quite honest with you. One thing I, I hope you guys know, I hope the fans know is no, not just that we're, it's not throwing darts to the wall. We, we have taken as many shots as possible at finding the right person that can win a Super That's Bowl. That's exactly so, throwing the darts um, at the wall. made the trade for Sam. Felt like. All right, let's stop right there. And then he's about to talk so about the Sam Darnold trade. Stupid. He, in one hand, told us what would have been a great plan. He described a great plan. And then didn't is, follow his plan. And then didn't do the plan. It's and like they didn't do him. the plan. Wait, wait, what, it, what, what? So you're trying to say this is that you know that fans are frustrated with you and you can't go to Hornets games, but fans were frustrated with Teddy Bridgewater. So you can, you just get rid of him. You just said that. You just said yeah. that you bent to fan pressure, right? Yeah. And that you didn't, you decided to go a different way. Okay. No problemo. No problemo. You could have stuck with Teddy and executed the plan because you were right positioned. You were solely positioned to do exactly what you said you wanted to do, which is have a veteran bridge to a young elite quarterback. And you're sitting there at seven and you've got Justin Fields and Mac Jones, who you said, by the way, Mac Jones is going to be a great player. Right, you puffed him up before the the draft after the senior bowl. And you didn't even you 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 got scared. That was they he flinched. pissed his pants. Yeah, he peed his pants. And you're hundred percent right. They said that they had a plan and then they didn't follow their own damn plan. I mean, literally, if that was the plan, you, you could have done literally exactly that. You could have te- uh, kept Teddy Bridgewater and then drafted Justin Fields. I mean, you could have done that and then didn't because you flinched before you ever had the opportunity to. And it goes back to evaluation. He said, well, these rookie quarterbacks, you know, they come in and they struggle, basically said that it's a crapshoot picking from young quarterbacks. So which is it? Were you waiting for your opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback or were you trying to go the, the free agency route? He's talking out of both sides of his mouth. He, I mean, he's absolutely talking out of both sides of his mouth. And you went and got Sam Darnold. What did Sam Darnold ever show you to demonstrate that he can be a franchise quarterback? Tony, that's what I've been saying to you. I, I mean, I was down for this for one year. If you were able to put pieces and talent around Sam Darnold. But now to think that we're going to be doing this again? And then these lame brains who can't evaluate offensive line talent to save their life, they're supposed to be the guys putting players in front of Sam Darnold? No fucking way, man. Did he just tell us, though, that they were running after, they were getting after, did he let the cat out of the bag that they were really pursuing Deshaun Watson? But in that answer? Yeah, he says this. As he says in there, he says, we were making a run. At some elite players. Yeah. Come on, play. 
Yeah, I think the thought with uh, uh, Teddy two years ago was 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 had you know he obviously knew Joe Brady's system. When the chance comes to you know to draft uh, what we think might be a franchise quarterback, and the numbers on hitting on franchise quarterbacks are less than fifty percent. I think we all know. I think it's like in the twenty percent. But let's get a veteran quarterback, kind of like the Chiefs did with Alex Smith, and uh, you know we 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 had some close games. Um, you know there was a lot of there was a lot of you know frustration with Teddy. Obviously, I mean. You know, the people of the city love Cam Newton. Cam's awesome. He's a great player. Is um, you know, mm-hmm. we made a decision organizationally just to like, hey, you know what? Let's 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 try to go get a younger quarterback now and see what happens. So, obviously, made some runs at some guys. Almost thought we had some guys that could have been franchise quarterbacks. To be quite honest with you, one yeah. thing I, I hope you guys. So, who is it? because you did make Stafford. a run at Stafford, but he's not young. No, he's not young. He's not uh, young. That's a yeah. win now move, yeah. right? But Deshaun Watson is a young Patrick franchise guy. So I think that tells me that they were trying to get Deshaun Watson. But here is the thing is that when you didn't get Deshaun Watson, that doesn't mean you had to go get Sam Darnold. And the Sam Darnold thing could have worked, right? And, I mean, in theory, is like we were wondering if it could work. I mean, there was a potential you hit big on it. Right. Like, I mean, if he works out all of a sudden you get, uh, you know, but the odds of that are not in your favor. Right. It's still a long shot kind of. And it was this is that now what you do. And it really if you should have stuck to your own plan, you should have stuck to your own plan. You should have kept it. You know, I just wonder if that man I, I may I told Ted, I said that Teddy couldn't have been right about when his criticism of the of the coaches about how they didn't practice the right things enough about how he was critical getting play calls in late and things like that. I didn't like Teddy Bridgewater because he didn't fall on the sword, but it seems like this is that maybe he's just taking a cue from his coach who doesn't fall on the sword. And it turns out maybe he was right. Maybe he was right. This is a mess. This is a mess. They should have, they could have drafted the guy right there and stuck with Teddy. And, and I don't want to hear this shit about Cam, right? All right, so you already made this big, giant decision to move away from Cam. We were upset about that, but you know what we weren't upset about was the idea of trying to build for a future, for a future, right? And 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 that's the thing is like a lot of people we were in, we I thought that we would be if we would have kept Cam. The fear was he was going to get hurt again. And if Cam got hurt again, I thought we would be in the same position that we were actually at the end of 2020, which is in the top 10, maybe trying to get a quarterback. And we did that with Teddy. And you got a guy that you say is a, is like knows the system, knows all of this. He would have been a great mentor or you would yeah. think he could be. I won't, I mean, actually wouldn't because him and Drew Locke have been not the best duo or teaching, but he would have known exactly. He got paid a lot. It would have been a nod that this is our plan to move towards the future, but we're still rolling with you for two years. Yeah. Give you an op, you know, ugh, this is a, this is where it, get, this, it got real bad here. It's only going to yeah. get worse. It's still getting worse. This is like, he's circling the drain, bro. Here you go. As no, I hope the fans know. No, not just that. We're, it's not throwing darts to the wall. We, we have taken as many shots. Why? Oh, it stopped. Stop. Just Austin's had, oh, you know, had struggled. And 
Uh, you know, as you referenced it, you know, we haven't passed on many quarterbacks in the draft. Most of the guys, the Justin Herberts, the, you know, the Joe Burrows, the Tua's, the Trevor Lawrence's, they've all gone before us. The two quarterbacks we passed on in this year's draft were Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Max had a really good year. Justin's had, you know, had struggled, had a, had a, had a tough year, but I think Justin's going to be a really good quarterback. And, um, oh, you, you know, Sam, um, we, we just kind of put Sam in that group with, with those young quarterbacks. Um, so you, saying, you think they're going to be good and, players. Uh, uh, you know, time will tell, you know, I think Sam looked really good for three games. I think Sam's last game, he played pretty well. Um, you know, obviously we brought Cam in. I think Cam showed all of us the things that he can do. Um, I mean, his impact on the team was strong. So yeah, there's no doubt that moving forward, no matter who it is, whether it's the quarterbacks on the roster, off the roster, that we need that position to, to play well. No one wins in the NFL without their quarterback playing well. Um, but in terms of who we passed on, you know, I think, I think Mac Jones went into a really good situation that fits him. Justin went into a tough situation. Um, both those quarterbacks will have time to, time to, you know, play their careers out and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how they do it. Sam's at a pivotal point in his career. And then, you know, we, we obviously will continue to look and see, Hey, what's the best thing for the Panthers at that position. Coach, did Brady Christensen show you enough to be, a left tackle for you guys, or is the search still on to, to find that left tackle? Listen, how infuriating. Yeah, I think Brady showed us enough, you know, to say that he, that he can he can be a left tackle in the NFL. Um, it's just one of those things. It's like a hierarchy, right? Like if if uh, if if a guy that's going to be a first team All Pro left tackle shows up in the draft or in free agency, Brady gives us the flexibility. I Man, I think he's a five position guy. So you know, if we can if we plug a guy in, you know, depending on what. You know, the Panthers end up doing it six if it's, you know, if it's an alignment there that we think is like, a, you know, day one, plug him and play him and let him start for 10 year type of a guy. Then to me, Brady just instantly becomes a starter at left guard, right guard, right tackle center. Um, but he can play left tackle. Um, I think when you compare his games at the end of the year to some of the other tackles uh, in the league, um, he looks about the same. So you want to say the other tackles, other young tackles. So. Um, you know, you talk about regrets. I, you know, should, should, after the Giants game, we played and he got a little overwhelmed at the end of the game. You know what? We probably should have just left him in there. You know, we didn't want to play him too early. Didn't, didn't want to didn't want to crush some of those guys with young old line of confidence. But looking back now, um, we probably should have played him earlier. Just let him really build some momentum uh, throughout the rest of the year, as opposed to swinging him around. Right, so we don't want to crush his confidence, but we bash him in the in the in every post game interview about having T Rex arms. Right. This is this is malpractice, dude. He is now just saying all the things that we have said. Imagine. Now he's saying now he's saying he's wrong. Right. Is that is this is like his and it doesn't make any sense. I don't understand how you think that Justin Fields is going to be a really good quarterback, but just not with us. Yeah, I don't like I don't understand how now all of a sudden Brady Christensen can play every position and he looks like other good young left tackles. But you don't think he could be a tackle. And then if you think that he can be left tackle one, uh, if you thought that from the limited sample size, you saw a left tackle. Imagine what you could have seen if he had gotten the opportunity to start against the New York fucking Jets. He could have been so much further along. And his development. As soon as we started struggling, like as soon as that Cam Irvin was injured, why not just play him and see and just give him time? The other thing is you weren't playing him at all when it didn't matter. 
right? I mean, you could have been using this time on all of these guys to try to figure out what you have. You wasted opportunities to figure out what you have, if how much you need to prioritize. I want to go to a couple of comments in the chat room. I, I think uh, uh, CK, um, co-host of this show, part of the part of the C3 crew, he's saying this. I think he's right. He's acting like now he's going to just have to wait and see what happens in the draft, what Scott Fitterer does, what Scott Fitterer screws up. And to see, like, he act like he's not part of this organization. Uh, and then the other thing is, uh, there was a, I love this comment uh, from Bratzman Sachs. He says, hello, Panther people. This was recommended to me in my New York Giants suicide hotline. <laughs> Did you guys make the same mistake with the wrong coach? The irony yes. of this, what is that? There's a lot of irony to this is because um, Matt Rule played the Giants against ag- David Tepper and the Panthers in order yeah. to get more money here. Right. And yeah. so uh, then the Giants, after they missed on their guy that they wanted, surprisingly, or I don't know why Gettleman would have been. It's interesting that Gettleman wanted a college coach when he's never had any ties to college. Um, but then they go and get a nobody in Joe Judge, and they do what the Giants do best is when things go bad, they try to tap into their history. The Giants love to do this is that they go think about even bringing Dave, Dave Gettleman to them uh, back is tapping back into their history. But Bill Belichick was under Parcells in the glory days. So then um, so they call up Bill Belichick and they say, who you got that would be a good good fit for us? And they give him Joe Judge. And then Joe Judge comes Joe in Judge. and and he does says all the same crap that my that. Matt Rule says, right? Yeah. Build it right. And then it was a disaster. By the way, they have the same exact records. What, you mean the in same, the two years? In the two in the years? Two year, they, both of them are 10 and 23 or whatever it is. Um, they, yeah. were, uh, they both won five games each year, I think. Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, uh, both the Giants and the Panthers got finessed. It happens, and I think it happened even worse to us because of how much we're paying Matt Rule. But going back to that part that you just said, like, why is he so intent? If you believe that Brady Christensen is a left tackle and he looks comparable to other young left tackles in the NFL, which, by the way, includes Rashawn Slater, includes Pene Sewell, includes Tristan Wirfs. If you think that Brady Christensen is at all comparable to that, knowing how hard it is to find a franchise left tackle, why are you so intent upon moving him all around the offensive line? You're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. You are putting Brady Christensen in a position to fail because now he has to know all, I mean, he has to know how to be able to play guard at a moment's notice. He has to know how to play left tackle at a moment's notice, especially after Cam Irving continued to get hurt. And, and then it's also, if you remember, uh, the, the first time Cam Irving couldn't go, they made Taylor Moten play left tackle the first time and put Brady on the right side. So why couldn't you give Brady Christensen that opportunity to start at left tackle initially? 
And it's dude, there is no rhyme or reason. Well, why wouldn't you just let him play guard? Yeah. It, yeah, it how about that? It's like I mean, round guard. I, I don't I mean, even if you think his long term home is at a guard and you truly believe that, and by the way, his long term home is with the Carolina Panthers right now because I mean we're gonna have him for the next three years, right? And you're gonna make a decision. If you think he's a guard, I don't know if you noticed. Matt Rule, we but our guards guard. sucked this they year. They were fucking terrible this year. In fact, there's an argument that they were worse in the tackle position. Yes. And by the way, they had him rated as a second-round guard. They had him rated as a second-round guard. Tony, if you draft Then play him. Then play you, him. Yes. You won't take a guard in the in the first round because he's a guard, but you got a, thir- a guard that is a second-round grade in the third. Third round. Why ain't he playing? I know you you picked him in the third, but you had him graded as a two. Yeah. What what does it take to be a starting guard? You can't. You got to be drafted between thir- twenty and thirty. Any other NFL team? I don't care what anyone says. If you drafted a guard in the or, you know that you had a second round evaluation on, you would be playing him almost instantly. By the way, Creed Humphrey, the center for the Kansas City Chiefs. Rookie this year, the Panthers could have had him too, but we traded out. We we could have had Brady Christensen, and we could have had Trey Smith, who we took a long snapper over Trey Smith, and both of them are starters and badass players for the Kansas City Chiefs, dude. I'm telling you, wait until you all see what Deontay Brown is able to do when this man finally gets an opportunity to play meaningful NFL snaps. Deontay Brown will be a full-time starting guard for us, just like Christensen is a full-time starting left tackle. Uh, Dan Floyd says, has uh, did Taylor Moten struggle for us? Um, look, is they, uh, is Taylor Moten didn't have his best year. He didn't have his best year, right? He wasn't like just like some dominant force on the right side. But you know what? I don't remember him just getting beat the smithereens all year. And it just seemed like the line at this point was a collective failure so much that it would be like, how could you be really good at your position when everybody else is so bad at their position, right? So, yes. I mean, like, is it's a rising rising tide lifts all boats. Well, right? especially so, on the offensive line, too. Those guys, all five of those guys are basically like one position. They work in tandem. So, but our problems like, really weren't on Moten, though. You know what I'm saying? That's what like I'm, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like for Taylor Moten, it's hard to judge him and, and say that you know I mean, he had some bad moments this year. But look at everything around him. He's literally the best player on our offensive line by a country mile. I think, too, is that really you saw, like, what teams did to us. Uh, it was easy to beat the Panthers' offensive line. It's just it's stunts all day long. I mean, just stunt after stunt, and it was all yeah. going towards the middle. It was all really going toward that is how you beat the Panthers. You, The pressure came straight up the middle every time. So I just don't remember it just being um, a awful year for Moten. But it was an awful year for the offensive line. So, um, And you know what? They couldn't get them. They didn't put them on left tackle. You know, so that didn't work. I just, it just didn't see these, these, what he's saying doesn't make sense to me. Like, there's no. not really a lot of sense. It's not, it's nonsensical. Let's keep it's going. All the positions settled, settled in on him over there at the end of the year. Um, he did a lot of good things. He has some things he knows he has to work on. 
But uh, if you get to know him, like he, he's going to be your guy's type of guy. Like he's a, he's an old school tough guy. He's going to work at it. So, um, I, like like I said, when I, when I say the process, I feel good about the process. Like I know now that like okay, I've got another guy that I know can start on the offensive line. Hey, let's go find, let's go find another player. Whether it's you know a guy like Deontay Brown, develop him or or draft or sign one in free agency. Yeah, that, maybe that develop the guy you draft. Uh, where we are now to have one of the best offensive lines, you know, in the NFL. All right, Coach, I want to make sure I ask you this one question because you, you took a ton of time. I won't take up your whole day here, um, but I, I feel like I have to ask about Cam. I know that a lot of fans are out there thinking, hey, I want to hear what he says about Cam. Um, uh, a, couple, a couple of things. Do you? How do you feel about the Cam experience? Do you regret bringing him in because it didn't go the way I think a lot of us thought it was going to go? And is there like is there a role for him moving forward, or is this you know Cam said, hey, if I'm out of here, I got closure. Like, how do you feel about the way it just didn't work out, and and whether or not there's a future? Um, well, look, I, I, I'll say this. Okay, so I, I met with Cam on I don't know, I guess it was Tuesday, and you know, and we both agreed like, hey, you know, take some time and let's get together. Uh, with Scott, you know, Cam and his people, us, you know, and, and let's all come together and let's do this the right way and have like a face to face, like, Hey, here's how we see it. Hey, Cam, here's how, how do you see it? Um, that being said, um, you know, I, I think Cam walked into a really, really hard situation. You know, I mean, it's, he walked into a you team think? that at the time was four and five. Uh, we went to five and five at Arizona, obviously, you know, PJ started that game, but Cam did a lot of things in that game. And then we had that Washington game, and it was almost like a playoff game. You know, I mean, the atmosphere in the stadium was Over was awesome. Head. I think it was electric, Over it's like head, going dude. back to the Saints game. And really, um, you know, did enough for offensively to win, and then just defensively just had one of those days where just couldn't couldn't make the stop. And then at the end of the game, we couldn't go down and win it. Um, I, I think Cam was put in a really hard position to come in. Uh, to learn an offense, and the offense, you know, the offense. It wasn't like he was coming in and taking over the tenth ranked offense. He was taking over the 28th, 29th, 30th ranked offense, the things that we've, we've already talked about, um, and trying to start over from scratch and learn that. And I think he brought a lot to us. Um, I think he, he, he showed what he could do. Um, he, he, he moved the football. He, he ran the ball. Um, he was you know powerful at the point of attack. Uh, did, did a great job with RPOs. Um, there were some, some really, really good moments. And, uh, but most importantly, I think his impact on the team, I think after having gone to New England and, and come back, I think, you know, uh, his, his leadership, his, uh, holding the young guys accountable. Cause you know, when, when you have, when you have the second, third or fourth youngest team, you know, coming out of the 53 man cut, you're counting on like Stefan Gilmore, you're counting on, uh, Cam Newton to say to the young guys, Hey, no, no guys, this, this is how you do it. And that's one of the things that we haven't had, you know, and we've had got some great guys like Shaq Thompson, Matt Paradis, Chris McCaffrey, but a guy like Cam is, is an entity unto himself. And so, um, you know, I don't want to speculate on the future because, you know, we, I've, I've said to him, Hey, we'll have that conversation. And he said to me, Hey coach, let's have that conversation. Just us. But I, I believe that Cam Newton can still play football. And I, why did you not use him then? Yeah. Why'd why you did immediately you immediately go back to Sam Darnold? If you don't believe in Sam Darnold but you believe in Cam Newton and Cam Newton's got football. You know, is this is like, um, I don't even want to hear it. I don't even want to hear this mess. It's like, once he said that that game was like a playoff game, I'm a, yeah, no, it won't. It won't like a playoff game, number one, because 
It was a regular season matchup. It was a homecoming game. It was homecoming weekend for Cam Newton and hosting our former coach, Ron Rivera, right? So, yeah, you finally heard people cheering. You finally heard that. But I don't, this is right away. It's like, oh my, I was like, he was caught up in the moment. He was overwhelmed. He's got, he don't know what he's doing, dude. He don't know what he's doing. He don't have a plan, dude. And it's like, it's a, it's a shit show. And so much so that Cam knew this is why I didn't want to bring Cam back. And you know, it's we like did him also, wrong again. We ruined also, his career twice. Like the, the, the fact that Matt Rule doesn't have enough wherewithal on the goal line on fourth and inches, you don't have enough wherewithal to run the most dynamic, powerful red zone threat the quarterback position has ever seen, let alone the last decade. You don't run Cam Newton in that scenario. Not only does Matt Rule not know how to evaluate talent, he does not understand situational football. He's always trying to apply what other teams have done in the past and try and make a cookie-cutter, carbon-copy version here in Charlotte. No, you don't do that. You evaluate your own team, you evaluate your own strengths and weaknesses, and you evaluate every draft independently. You don't compare uh, players who had similar arm lengths. No, you watch the film, and you evaluate the film, and you make the best decisions. And do that uh, real quick, but before we jump off of this and go further into Cam, at that last little bit, he says, you know, we're going to have to see, uh, maybe we'll develop Deontay Brown. Yeah, why wouldn't you develop Deontay Brown? He was on the roster this year. Why did you draft him? Why did you draft him or Brady Christensen? You drafted two offensive linemen. Your offensive line was fucking dog shit this year, and you still don't play the guys that you drafted? You drafted them. What did you draft them for? Dude, he he really, uh, like most people in our chat room, have better football knowledge than Matt Rule does. I, I got a better chance of figuring out this damn Rub- Rubik's Cube than Matt Rule has to figuring out this pro football thing. Dude, it's 31st ranked offensive line. By the way, the one that was said to be worse was the Dolphins, and they stomped us, and we couldn't get any stacks against them. I don't believe it. I still don't believe it either. We had the worst. I don't care what PFF says. I don't care what anyone says. The Carolina Panthers had the worst offensive line in football, bar none. I agree. Uh, Let's keep going. I believe that, you know, I would want Cam Newton on any team that I coached. If I was if I was coaching anywhere right now, I would say, Just hey, not let's, the let's bring Matt Guy to this team because he I is coach. a winner and he is an alpha and he is a guy that does things the right way. So while the results in terms of on the field as a team were not what they want, the impact Cam, I think, had on the locker room, on the mindset um, was really, really, really important. And I think uh, moving forward, he has good football left in him. I just think there's a lot of things that have to be done, and they have to be done the right way between the Panthers and Cam to make a decision about where he is, you know, moving forward and, and what he wants to do. All right, so um, you know, you are the one that moved on from Cam, right? <laughs> but I want him on any team, and I also really think this is that Matt Rule is a cuck. Oh, I think yeah, he certainly. is. He says alpha more than anybody. I mean, he's like, I just want a bunch of alphas with their 
Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> D's on my face. Dude, he just, he, like, he's always like trying to uh, put forth confidence. He's, he's trying to make you believe that what he's saying actually has some merit to it and that he knows what he's doing. So he uses these words like when he calls Justin Fields, oh, he's a good football player, good football player. It's like it's all just coach. Then why did you draft him? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If it was a good football player, then why wouldn't you want him to be a good football player for and us? We don't, and we don't need you to say we should have drafted him instead of um who who do we get uh, JC Horn? Because yes, JC Horn is on the team, and like you were saying, you don't want to say you make a mistake and then look at that guy. First of all, they know you're all talking bad about them. Nobody trusts you, Matt Rule. Every time you say somebody's a good player, they get their walking papers the next day. You have cut yeah. people after you said they had great weeks at practice, and then you cut them or yeah. you trade them. I mean, so no, nobody trusts you, period. And all the things is that you go and say this is like you just told us two seconds earlier that your plan was to move with Teddy Bridgewater and forward like an Alex Smith and get your next quarterback. But what you didn't tell us, you, Oh, you also said, by the way, here, this dude's just like, I, I mean, it's, it's lies. He's lying. He's where well, I don't know if that's the right. He is. This is disinformation. You know what? This, this, uh, this interview should be flagged by Facebook and Twitter as misleading information yeah, right it have disinformation a, uh, yeah what it is that have a uh a, 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 a fact checker it, it should, should pop up right below it and says all of this is fundamentally bullshit yeah because he said oh it's not like we didn't we passed up on he had he cited justin fields i mean not justin fields uh justin herbert he said herbert and, he said trevor lawrence he said tua uh, but he, he said a bunch. And of then players. he goes on and say the two we did pass up are going to be really good quarterbacks. Yeah, we did good if, football. They're like, so what? Why did you pass? That's, That's what we I, actually want to know is why did you pass? And I think it's because you're scared, like you said, flinched because he said, "Oh, you only got a twenty percent hit rate." Like it's like, and this is kind of the Derek. This is the same as Derek Brown. Safe. It's a safe pick. Derek yeah. Brown's a safe pick. Uh, J.C. Horn's a safe pick. They're not afraid to take chances on young offensive players. From Brady Christensen to Deontay Brown, they didn't want to trust a young quarterback. They want uh, old, used, washed-up veterans, like a pair of dirty underwear that didn't get washed in the dryer properly. He wants to put those on, and, and, and it's like – Dude, what are you doing, man? This is why you and your family, and it's not his family. This is why your name is being chanted to be fired at Hornets games. Because everyone knows you're lying. Everyone sees you talking out of both sides of your mouth. And for how you did Cam Newton, Cam Newton, in his final game potentially, as a Carolina Panther, had an opportunity to go in on fourth and inches, and they denied Cam Newton that opportunity. He has it's, no uh, love. You know, friend. the thing is, is just like Joe Judge, and I hope the guy, the Giants guy is still in the chat, is like, just like Joe Judge, is that the problem is, is not only is the team sucky, but every time our coach talks, it gets worse. That is what this interview actually just only diminished my opinion of him. 
Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's one thing. He's like, okay, all right, you know what? Now there's something going on. We're going to keep him. All right, I got to live with it. But now he talks. And how, like, it's like the 2021 season won't ever end. It's like whenever we get good is like, if anything good happens, they're going to have to, he's going to come out and talk and and ruin it. Yeah. Uh, Last little couple of seconds of the interview. Here it is. Only a couple more minutes. Coach, uh, one more question for you. Don't want to take up your entire day here, but you're, you have an OC search going on right now. I don't expect you to name off the, the guys you're talking to or the names you may want, but what traits are you looking for in your next offensive coordinator? Yeah, and I'll say, you know, I think I think the one thing, you know, that we all have to know is like because of the way churches have gone since COVID, you know, where now everything's pretty much virtual uh, to start, you know, where you used to maybe interview three people in the first round and, you know, narrow it down or four people and narrow it down. Like I have an opportunity now to talk to some of the the best minds in football and talk to five, six, seven, eight guys. And so um, that's what we did last year in the GM search. And we learned a lot about, you know, um, about Oregon, how other organizations are functioning, and that's kind of what we're doing now. So, you know, I, I've I've wanted somebody um, who who uh, is adaptable to the personnel that we have. Um, I, you know, as the head coach, I don't want to be standing on the sideline next to a really good football player that's not touching the football or not playing a ton because, hey, you know, I'm kind of stuck in. Hey, this is my system, and so I want I want an offensive coordinator who has similar beliefs as us. We have a good defense. We need to be able to run the football. We need to be able to win situational football, third down and in the red zone. Uh, we need to be able to protect the ball and protect the people who carry the ball, like the quarterback. So if we can protect the quarterback, uh, if we can protect the ball, if we can run, if we're good in situations, then then I think that's great. I think the one thing that's that, how you, know, you get you this interview, through this process, we could all get, like, I mean, get the job. We can all get the job. Much the same plays. You know, like, you know, you're interviewing these guys. They all kind of, well, here's my passing game. Here's my run game. Here's my protection it's all sort of the same families or within two or three families of football. So I'm, I'm looking at somebody who sees the game in terms of, Hey, who, who's my quarterback? I'm going to make him successful. Hey, who do I have? I have DJ. Okay. I have Robbie. I have CMC. I have Ian. I have Tommy. I want to utilize those guys and make sure that uh, when people come to playoffs, they're defending all of those guys. So um, that's sort of the mindset. I love it to be someone that's got some experience doing it. Until you've been a head coach or until you've been an OC and, and you know, you've, you've stood in the fire and made decisions and had people say, hey, why did you do that? Um, so you've made the right decision and had to stand by it or made the wrong decision and had to admit it. Um, it's really hard. And so for me, I, I'd love to have somebody that has that experience. But I'm also going to I'm also going to talk to as many people as possible to get as many ideas as possible. So that's very generic vanilla. But at the same time. Uh, I'm trying to find somebody that uh, that has experience, but also takes advantage of the personnel that we do have, not the things that we don't have. All right, coach, you spent a ton of. All right, uh, I can't. It's over. Thank God, it's over. Thank God, Dude. it's over. Listen to this: is that just when you think the interview can't get worse, it crashes and burns even more. The flames are just a. F- it's crazy. I'm telling you, David Tepper, I was surprised he didn't call in on the other line and say, you know what? We got to fire this dude. First of all, he just said nothing. He said absolutely nothing about what he wants the offensive coordinator to do or be. Right. He talked about this is like win situational football, score in the end zone, in the red zone and don't turn the ball over. Like, OK, well, duh. That's like a 
like, a, like it's like a, a child's interpretation of what your the the answer to this. Now, two, he also just said, "I need a guy. I would like the guy who has been in the fires, stood in the fire, had to take accountability for why they made that decision, why they didn't make that decision. He should add one more layer to that. I'd also like them to have experience working in an organization." where the head coach won't do that, but they do yeah. that. Right. Right. Too bad our head coach didn't have uh, a good amount of experience before coming to do this shit because he is obviously in over his head. And, dude, listen, uh, dude, Joe Brady was fine. And I know everybody, there are so many people in here that wanted Joe Brady to be fired. But if you listen to what he said when he's talking about what he wants in an offensive coordinator – he said he wants someone that's going to be able to take the guys that they have on the roster and fit his offense to them. No, that's the wrong Which way every... to do it. But can, can I tell you why I think that's the wrong way to do it? No, I think you should. That way you got to you know, do that, it. So then you're me, adaptable. Okay, you're adaptable. But you should build your team with a vision in mind, right? We want to be this kind of offense, we want to be this kind of defense. Figure out what kind of offense you're trying to implement. And then going forward from there, build your team around that. Yeah, if I you're think that could be the, football, that's okay for a long-term vision. But from day to day, week to week, from year to year, you need to do what Bill Belichick does. And Bill Belichick uses what he has to the best of his ability. So sure. that's the thing is like, is yes, you have an idea of what type of offense you want to be ideally. But you also need need to know that, like, Christian McCaffrey is a special player, and you're going to try to be getting the most out of him. You know, like, you, you – so all he just said is we need a game plan well for our talent. Duh. That's what everybody – that's what you're supposed to do, right? Here is this – I tell you, I told you it couldn't get worse or you didn't think it could get worse. It's really right here is, like, I knew that when we fired Joe Brady that there was real problems in this organization. Because he just threw Brady under the bus. Now, do I think that Brady, the offense, was a fireable offense this year? Sure. Right? But I thought that as soon as we fired Brady, it was a signal that you didn't get it. You were like There was problems deeper in the team, in the organization. Because at the, you flinched. The first sign of adversity, you blamed this guy's inexperience while you're an inexperienced head coach. Right. So here's the thing is that like firing Joe Brady, let rule live another week, maybe. But it didn't fix the problem. And the problem was is above uh, Joe Brady. So Joe Brady very well may have not been. um, He might have been a little in over his head, but it doesn't matter when the head coach is in over his head, too. And so, like, it's like you didn't fix anything. You just showed us that their problems are systemic. And then right when you think that it can't get any worse than this interview this morning, they announce on Twitter that they will be interviewing Scotty Montgomery for offensive coordinator. Folks, Scotty Montgomery was the head coach of the East Carolina Pirates that destroyed our football program. I truly believe he will get the job, Cody, because he is terrible. 
He is horrendous. Like, you want to talk about a guy in over his head? He was in over his head at this school, and it clearly showed. You're also interviewing a guy who is a running backs coach for the best running back in the NFL at the at this or the best season this year's best one, simply because they've been successful at running the ball and you want to run the ball more. This yeah. is complete lunacy. And right now I am calling for out of all the names that have been floated. The one that I laughed at the most at first was Jay Gruden. I laughed at it, right? But you know what? Jay Gruden may be the best man out of the list that they've presented so far. He has connections with Gardner Minshew from Jacksonville last year. Certainly Jacksonville was not that great, but there were some okay things that happened with their offense. He he had the, the Bengals when Dalton was a pretty good, right? He was a terrible head coach in Washington. Right. But he also, but like, that's the, and I don't even want him, but now we're going worse, dude. Scotty Montgomery. Yeah. And by the way, they also have a good offensive line. Uh, they have Quentin Nelson. They have a bunch of good guys. And then Jonathan Taylor, who this year was the best running back in all of the NFL. And it goes and back they just to, got smoked by the Jaguars. Yeah, and The Jaguars beat the shit out of them. And it goes back to the thing where you're also saying that you don't want to put the ball in your quarterback's hand. The Carolina Panthers have been and will continue to be for the foreseeable future an antiquated offense. The NFL no. is more pass happy than it ever has before. And all the Carolina don't Panthers worry. do is want to run the ball fucking 30 or 40 times a game. They really don't, man. They just say that because, look, is that was just another rule flip-flop. They don't really, he don't really want to do that. He said they wanted to run the ball more, and guess what they didn't do? They, they didn't, didn't even run, run the, the ball, ball more. No. They didn't even run the ball anymore. He executed his draft plan. That's his game stra- in-game strategy. Tell a plan and then not do it. Right? I'm telling you this is that, oh, gosh, watch Joe Judge get hired as the special uh, teams coach good lord that would be great no, the dude. i'm telling you this is that look is that running the football is an important part of the nfl but you just don't run to run like it's not this magic no these magic numbers right like you got to hit this you got to do this you got to do he we got smoked by the giants and we couldn't run the game run the ball in that game so he came out and said we want to run the ball you know what he was listening to the headlines he was reading his own headlines panthers aren't running the ball oh well, what do they say? We got to run the ball. We got to run the ball now. We got to run the ball. And he doesn't even believe it, dude. So don't even worry about that. It's not an antiquated offense. You got a worse problem. You ain't got no plan, Cody. The plan is the non-plan plan. That's the problem. They don't have a plan, but it is antiquated. Because what he's signaling is that he wants a quarterback that might have to throw mm, 10 13, maybe 15 times a game, they were trying to take the ball out of the quarterback's hands by well, having you a, if you had Sam Darnold. Run plays. Yeah, and again, that's what I'm saying. When he says that he wants an offensive coordinator that's going to make the juice or make as much out of the players that he has, yeah, that goes without saying. Every coach should utilize the players to the best of their ability. But it goes back to that identity thing and that the Carolina Panthers don't have one. And the one that we're trying to adhere to 
is running the football. But, dude, you know what? We could have stuck with Ron Rivera and done literally all the same shit that we're doing right now. Ron, oh, no, Ron we would have been way better. We would have been way better at it. And, look, it's not an – look, you can win. Mike Tomlin has won with that attitude, right? There is – it's not a complete – like is that the game is not as changed as people say it. I, I don't agree. It's like I think if football is still football and you go win certain you know, you know, we pass a lot more, but we play a lot, but I mean, it's just different. It is different, you know, but at the same time, like you can win like that. I don't think he really has a, a true sense of what he wants to be what we are. What he wants to be. No, not at all. And that's he the thing no is that like if you want to be a smash mouth team, you didn't really build the team like that in the first place if you truly wanted to be a smash mouth team like that and run if you really wanted this why'd you draft a corner over an offensive lineman yeah everything yeah, that he because says. don't don't worry cody actually worry worry because it's oh, not the problem worried. is the offensive scheme the problem is the guy driving the, the car is a drunk he's a drunk who doesn't know what he's doing? And yeah, Ron Rivera. He would left have been the circus. Better. He got hammered at his. Sur- at this Ron circle. Rivera would have been better, but my entire point was, there was no reason to ever fire Ron Rivera. Then, I, I maintained that it was time to move on from Ron Rivera to have a different, more relevant identity relative to the NFL. And I'm not saying be a hundred percent pass or a hundred percent run. You can build an effective football team that can do both of those things well. But you have to build the team accordingly, and you have to have a vision for the kind of players that you want, the kind of talent that those players have, and the type of offensive and defensive scheme that you're employing. And Matt Rule doesn't do any of those things well. None of them. All right. Um I think I've said everything I want to say about this. Uh, my last and final point about this what we have why i think matt rule i have I was no like my faith diminishes each moment so i didn't know that my faith in matt rule could diminish from monday to today but it did yeah right i mean like you're not even playing football and you're getting worse so the, what's gonna happen next to diminish it even more you know what i mean can it get lower than this uh, yeah, I mean, I guess some of the hires that he makes are, are like, ridiculous like and, and fearful. Uh, I, I worry one is that in some ways I think that, um, yeah, it can get worse. We can continue to see the power struggle between Scott Fitter and Matt Rule play out in the press and free agency and things like that. Um, and if it continues to get worse, like, in the back-end structure, like, of, of the relationship between owner, Tepper, Fitter, and Rule, is that then if it continues, their relationship continues to diminish, which it doesn't look like it's getting better at this point, is that then it would have been uh, foolish to not move on from him now, right? Like we got to see the the right things happening um, to make that not the case. The other thing is I don't think that it can happen. I think that right now is that when you are hiring an offensive coordinator and really you're interviewing for an interim head coach, Right. Like, is that I just don't know how you're going to all of a sudden get replace all the assistants and then have confidence in the long term for Matt Rule. Because if they're those assistants make your team what it is, then you are expendable. You're not the reason it's good. Um, And so he's got to shut up. 
That's the only thing yeah. is he's got to shut up and he's got to do what he has said he was going to do. He's got to become what they sold to us. He was and that. And right now, what I feel like is I'm watching the end of the wizard of Oz and you have heard about this crazy, intimidating, scary wizard that's got controlling the whole thing. And then you find out it's a little scared old man behind the curtain running this machine. You know what I'm saying? And I think this is, I think that Matt rule has pulled the curtain back and let us see what we thought was going on. And it was worse than we expected. I think it was truly worse than it would, than we even said it was. And that's scary to me. The entire thing is scary, man. Um, the, the part that infuriates me, the most is the utter lack of talent evaluation on the football team. Um, the fact that, Oh, you want to do the Scott interview instead? You want to do that? I got it. Yeah, let's do it, man. The chat room wants it. All right. Let's see. By the uh, way, real real quick, before we do, we don't, uh, listen, we have 168 people watching on a Thursday night on a Thursday night that I thought was a Wednesday. Hit the thumbs up for your boys <laughs> reacting to these uh, these crazy Matt Rule press conferences, man. They're very embarrassing. But look, we're going to come here and talk about it for y'all. Um, and also, we've got some fans of some other teams in the chat room, man. We've got a Browns fan. We had a Packers fan earlier. We had a Giants fan. Uh, listen, if you appreciate the discussion, check us out. Hit the like and subscribe. Uh, we do this all the time, man. Uh, we have fun conversations. And, um, yeah, happy to be doing it with you guys in this uh, incredible community we've got going on over here. I really think – I truly believe – I think Nugs plays is on to it right here. No clue how Tepper doesn't see it and hasn't pulled the plug. Yep. Right? Is that we're getting a peek behind the curtain, and it's worse than we thought it was even go- – that it was – like the idea that I don't know what, you know, he said at some point that he has displayed confidence in. Like I'm trying to figure out what he has said to me that has it exhibited anything that inspires any sort of confidence. If anything, you know, what I, mean? I mean, it's one thing to not fire him, but I don't know right now why you should believe in him. That yeah, I don't there's think. no there's no reason he had this year to inspire some confidence. And he didn't do it. There were a number of things that he could have done to inspire some confidence and didn't do it. Even at the very end, when he could have done right by Cam Newton, who came back and ejected all the excitement back into this dead season, and you couldn't even do right by Cam Newton then. There is no reason for any fan to have faith in Matt Rule. I tell you one thing is... You can't win games, and you can't win press conferences. I'm starting to wonder if you can win anything. You win a game of shoots and ladders? I don't know. We'll see. All right, let's go see what Scott Fitter had to say. And we hope that he can come back in 2022. Get ready for the show today. You know, there was uh, there were two or three people saying, oh, look at this, David. NZ. It's a tough question or not, but I'll ask it. Is this team in order oh, to put on the, oh, for the show? Raleigh. NZ.
Oh, it's a busy day. Here, national champ is a player. He's back in studio coming up in 45 minutes. We got Luke DeCock later in the show. Raleigh News and Observer. A lot of things to get to. And yes, the Hornets' big win in Philadelphia coming up here very, very shortly as they've won four consecutive games. But as promised, our next conversation should be a good one. The general manager of the Carolina Panthers, Scott Fitterer, is back with me here in the clubhouse on the Technicom hotline to help provide some clarity and a look into the upcoming offseason. And Scott, I do really appreciate your time, man. How you been? Doing great. How you doing, Kyle? I'm all right. I mean, this struck me. This is the one thing I've hated about Fitter and Rule at this point is that they both have said they're great. I'm sorry. Like uh, Scott Fitter was laughing and uh, laughing and smiling when he started his press conference on Monday, and I don't know how anything could be laughing and smiley right now. It reminds me of Derek Anderson laughing when they were getting smoked when he was an Arizona Cardinal. I know that this is convention to say, fine, thanks for asking or something, but uh, um, nose to the grindstone would have been a better answer than this. Great. Okay. Sorry. Good. I'm good. It's good to have you back. And uh, look, I, I liked a lot of things you had to say on the po- on the podium a couple of days ago and hoping to uh, expand on a little bit of that. But let's start kind of broadly here. And uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a tough question or not, but I'll ask it. Is this team and organization and roster right now in a worse position today than it was at the beginning of the season? No, you know, I think we know exactly what we need to do uh, to fix uh, some of the problems that we had this year. You know, mainly that's up front, both sides of the line. But I really like the guys we have here. I was excited about the players coming into the year. You know, just through different things that happened throughout the season, different injuries. Um, you know, the season didn't go the way we wanted. You know, we're 5-12, and 12 and that's not good enough. But I do like the guys we have here. We definitely have a lot of work to do. Uh, and the good part, we're sitting back this week and evaluating and uh, figuring out which way we need to go and how we're going to do it. So I I know those players and the coaching staff, every time they take the field on Sunday, they're looking to win. But I I guess my question is, at any point in the the back quarter of the season, back uh, third of the season, when things really started to take a turn, was there any sort of shift internally in terms of looking toward the offseason and less about trying to make a playoff push? No, uh, it was just about each week. You know, one thing about Matt Rule is he stressed each week, let's get better, let's Let's fix what we need to fix. Uh, let's identify our issues and move forward. Hey, um, get better. You know, we never – we quit talking about playoffs. That was the one thing we didn't want to talk about. We just wanted to talk about what do we need to get uh, – what do we need to do to get right. talked about it. And it was Cameron. frustrating. You know, we right. had a long stretch of games where we just didn't win. You know, we played good for uh, small periods, but we were just not consistent enough during the game throughout and finishing the season. And, I, you know, we know why. Uh and so we're going to go about this offseason addressing that and fixing those issues. Scott Fitterer, Panthers general manager. He's with us on the Technicom hotline. All right, those issues. Let, let's start with that because the offseason coming up yeah. is big, and you just said it. That you've got things you can do to drastically improve this roster. Does it start up front? I mean, you said that a couple of days ago, but is that your top priority regardless of what else goes on? You've got to rebuild this offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. It starts up front. You know, that's the backbone of our team. And really, it's going to be both sides of the line, offense and defense. And like I said the other day in the press conference, we just can't be blind to other parts of our team. You know, always trying to fix just one spot uh, each year. We need to, you know, there's things we need to address on defense as well. But our priority uh, is definitely up front on that offensive line. We need to stabilize that. And that's going to help the quarterback. And that's going to help our offense be consistent. 
All right. Now, now in terms of, you know, how you go about doing that, you, you've got a top six pick right now coming up in the spring. But as everyone knows, uh, second and third round picks absent at the moment. And those are, are pretty valuable picks. How do you manage that in terms of rebuilding the offensive line, addressing your needs with right now, anyway, limited draft capital? Yeah. So right now, uh, all of our evaluations are in for throughout the season. We're going to build our, uh, our region board and our draft board. And we're going to figure out, hey, where's the value out in this draft? Are we going to stay at six and take an elite, you know, player at that position, or can we trade back and uh, pick up picks? And you know, if we can trade back, if if, if there's uh, some players back behind us between you know ten, twelve, fifteen, we'll do that. We'll pick up a second, third round pick. If not, if there's an elite player there in number six, and we think that can be a franchise player, we're not going to drop out of a value just to pick up picks. We are going to take a great player, six to be there, and he can be a franchise piece moving forward for us. I love that. Now, I, I know you can't talk specific players with me, but there's a guy like Evan Neal that comes to mind. That I Why can't you talk specific players or rule against it? No, but, um, but you won't but to, talk. To me, didn't he just say nothing at all? Like he said, oh, yeah, well, we might look to find a scenario to be able to trade back if we can, but also if there's a good player there, that we're going to take him. He literally didn't say anything at all. I, I doubt it. Um, and I like Cal Bailey, uh, but I don't know if he's going to ask this question. It would have been my first question, I think. Um, and that is, why? What was the decision to make, to keep Matt Rule? What, what was the mindset behind that? As we see all these other coaches getting fired at the oh, same time. Oh, that would have been a good one. Because that, that, that is the question. Is tell us why. Just tell us why. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he could say, "Well, it's not my decision." Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> oh, what we want to know. Do like Maybe how much would say power what, does uh, Matt Rule have. said. Remember, it's not me up in the ivory tower making this yeah. easy. I get what I want. Yeah, oh, yeah, God. Yeah. All right, here we go. Having a really hard time passing up on. And again, I know you can't talk about specific players, but let's say a situation like that plays out. There's an elite player there at six. Well, you've got your elite player, but still no more picks left in, let's say, the top 100. Is there still a means to, to get some of those back, even if you stay with the number six pick? Yes, there's always means. Uh, you know, if you can get a great player at six, we will do that. There are other ways, you know, to pick up picks. You know, we can always move players around and, you know, see what see what's out there. Uh, League wide, there's free agency, you know, and uh, trade Sam this Darnold. year in the draft, it's not just about first, second, third round. You know, there there are a ton of players uh, in this year's draft, and when you go down through it, you know, guys that are in the sixth round this year would probably be in the fourth round in in previous seasons just based on numbers alone. I know our our scouts are really excited. I see the grades come in. Uh, there are options. Uh, obviously, trading back from six would create, you know, make life a lot easier for us. Uh, but we're not going to pass on a really good player at six if, if someone's there. So, I mean, I think the offensive line, first of all, you came into and took the reins of an organization that I'm sure you became very aware very quickly has not exactly invested a ton in the offensive line over the past several years. All due respect to everybody that was there before you, you know, but from Brady Christensen and, and Deontay Brown this year to the conversation today about Rayshon Slater that Matt Rule answered for this morning too, can you shed some light on your evaluation process for offensive linemen, not only because I'm interested, but because it seems like those guys are harder to find in this day and age. They are harder uh, to find. You know, coming out of spread offense in college, you know, no one's in a three-point staff. Guys aren't firing off the ball and moving guys. So it gets a little bit more difficult uh, that way. I think one thing we need to do first off is identify who our offensive coordinator is going to be and what style of uh, play are we going to be? What's our identity? You know, are, are we a zone scheme? Are we a man scheme? And once we know what that is, we'll be able to take the players on our draft board, fit them to our team. Um, 
And so that's, it's going to be a long process, but I think we need to figure out what the OC search uh, looks like and where we're going that way. Scott Fitterer, Panthers general manager. He's with us on the Technicom hotline. You were asked on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, Monday maybe, about the, the quarterback class coming up. And uh, I, I know you mentioned a reference, Kenny Pickett from Pitt, who you got a firsthand look at there at Bank of America Stadium. I believe somebody hit you with a, with a uh, follow-up question where you said, hey, he does check all the boxes, but we've got some work to do. What What is your overall opinion of this quarterback draft class? And, uh, you know, what it, I guess, relative to what we're hearing nationally about it not being as good a class, can you still find a guy there as the Panthers or anybody else? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's a good class. It's not a great class. Um, you know, there's some good players in this. Uh, there's players, you know, every year throughout the draft, you might be able to find a guy if you get lucky, second, third round. Uh, the one thing we have to be really careful about is not forcing, uh, you know, taking a quarterback just because we think we need to take a quarterback. You know, th- th- you can really get in trouble that way. You can pass yeah. on a really good player that you should. Such uh, a problem, man. Between this and what Matt Rule said is that you didn't need to force it. You had it lot teed up. Yeah. It was teed up for you this year, but you yeah. went for Sam Donald. And you know what? Even trading, you know what? I went back and I'm working on our year in review show, uh, and I'm going back and listening to a lot of things, trying to pull some of the cool takes or, like, moments. That Even when the Sam Darnold thing came about, you said right away is that this does, we're not handcuffed to him for a long time, right? Like, we can try it, and if it doesn't work, we can, you know, move on. Um, and on top of that, we also continue to say that just because we traded for Sam Darnold does not exclude us from taking a quarterback in the draft as well. And we were absolutely, even when we moved on from Teddy, that did not say we could not have taken Mac Jones or Justin Fields. It was not a necessary, you know, like, I mean, it would have right. not been as ideal to give up picks than like continue this. Like we didn't have any faith and trust in what we're doing, but at the end of the day, we could have still drafted these guys, even with Darnold there and you had it teed up. You didn't have to force it. Terrible. This is terrible. Yeah. yeah. 100%. He ain't man. any good either, man. He does sound cool, calmer than he doesn't sound as nervous as it's stressed out as Matt Rula. It's a pick you have. So I don't want to. I don't want to force anything. I do like uh, a couple of quarterbacks in this class. Uh, I think it gives us options. Um, but as a whole, I think uh, there have been other uh, better draft classes uh, in other years. Now, before we get to the the established quarterbacks on your roster, by the way, hold did, on, pause I've heard from people that hey, this would be a good year to take a quarterback in the second. I would never say that. I would never say that this is not a good year for quarterbacks because inevitably, because he said that, there's going to be some fucking Hall of Fame quarterback that we're going to end up passing on because oh, it wasn't a good quarterback draft, like. Dude, you just need to evaluate every single position and every single player for what they are. They're drafting like, picket. They're drafting picket. I think this right away. They're he's trying to to douse the fires of intrigue. Carolina's not interested in a quarterback. They don't like this class, and then they're gonna force it and draft picket anyway. Maybe I don't know if it's worth a six round pick, but Continue. A six-round pick. Or a sixth-rather pick uh, in the draft. Oh, yes, overall six. Well, guess what? Is uh, If it's the wrong move, we're bound to make it. 
yeah. or third uh-huh. round and you know get a guy, take a flyer on a guy who is talented but maybe not chase him with a first-round pick. It, you, you mentioned a trade back there a couple of minutes ago. Is that a, a scenario that might play out as well where hey, you trade back a little bit, you get your left tackle, and then you start quarterback hunting? Yeah, you can definitely do that. Um, you know, again, you have to be flexible on, on draft day. So you have to be able to read the board and put yourself in position to get those guys. But that would definitely be an option, and it would be a cost-efficient op- option to draft someone rather than go out and sign another high-priced uh, uh, quarterback. All right, fair enough. Now, as far as the existing quarterback situation goes, Scott, is it fair to say that uh, you, you need to stabilize that position this offseason and maybe you know have more than just Sam Darnold coming back next year? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, we definitely need to stabilize the position. You know, a lot of that's going to start up front. You know, we have to protect the quarterback. You know, the one thing about, you know, Sam, Sam's got a good skill set, um, but we have to help him. You know, he can't have guys in space all the time. So uh, if, if when we go into the year, whether it's, you know, Cam, uh, whether we go out and trade for a quarterback, whether we draft one, uh, we're going to do something at the position at some point here uh, because we, we do need to stabilize this position, get consistent play out of this position. Well, and look, you, you're aware. All you guys are aware of, of what we say, of what people say, and you know that uh, the criticisms there that the problem. He just said that they're going to go get a quarterback now. Yeah, like, yeah, they're either going to get a free agent or they're going to draft one. It's a disaster. It's and a they're disaster. just signaling to everyone, like they're they're shouting to the world that they don't know what they're doing. They honestly need to get the fuck off the microphone. I know. I this doesn't I'm not inspired with confidence here either. Let's keep going. Problem was picking up the fifth year option. You were asked about this a couple of days ago, but I'd like to give you the chance again to talk about that. Uh explain that decision to pick up the fifth year option and and what de- what decisions or options you were facing in making that determination. Yeah, so we traded for uh for Sam, you know, beginning of April and May 1st was the uh, the deadline for picking up the option for the fifth year option on rookie. So, when you really look at it, and you do that, you have three options uh, in the situation we have with Sam. We could, you know, trade for him, you know, give up a second to fourth round uh, pick. He comes here. We let him play the season. If he has a great season, there's no assurances he comes back. He gets paid somewhere else or chooses to go somewhere else. And now you're out of second and fourth round pick. So that was not a great option. The second but option, we could rework the contract, him. added years to it. You'll sign him to a three or four year deal. Now you're really locking in, you know, pretty significant money you're you know you're you're investing the next three four years in your resources uh financially over that time or you have the third year option where he comes here and he plays this year at 4.7 million next year he's gonna be at 18 plus on the option year and you have two years to evaluate and see if he's going to be your guy and you know at that point we had to make a decision we couldn't wait to see what he looks like in OTAs. We couldn't wait to let him play three four games this year we had to make a decision by may 1st and we thought that was the uh, the best option is to, uh, you know, not lock us in long term, yet also protect the assets that we gave up and uh, give us time to uh, to work with Sam and develop them. So what you just told me is this, is that you took path four where you signed the fifth year option, didn't protect any of your assets or moving on from Sam Darnold already. Didn't th- know it was going to work out. Didn't you? Right. Is that you know what is that if you were worried th- you know, he was fearful. They thought this was going to work. They thought they they thought they had outsmarted everybody and this was going to work because they were like, oh, we're going to back our bet right here. Like if you're playing black, uh, playing uh, my blackjack or or even in um, what's up with craps, 
when you back your bet you put that little extra money on the back end and it kind of like makes the bet even better when you win the comeback but here's the thing is that you were worried that it was going to fail too at the same time you were saying this you weren't confident enough to extend him now why why was the let him play and if he turns out to be good then we have a good problem on our hands which is we think we got what we wanted and now we have to decide if we're going to pay pay for it. I mean, yeah, we have to decide. But here's the deal. Why would you bring Sam here when you know that the issue that he had in New York was that he had terrible protection and he was always getting his ass kicked? So what about this current Carolina Panthers offensive line made them think that this was going to somehow be a better environment for Sam Donald to thrive in. I mean, listen, this year, it. I mean, you can erase it in far, as far as Sam Donald's development because he didn't have time to develop. Yeah. Now, even if you do build the offensive line up next year, what if Sam continues to throw a bunch of dumb interceptions like we know he's going to? We're going to have to have a dominant rushing attack because if it's Sam Donald, he's not going to be the guy for this football team. And we all know it, except for everyone in the Panthers front office. Well, they know, uh, they seem to know it now. There's nothing here that has said that they believe that he's really going to work out now. They've already moved on from him like Teddy Bridgewater. But but they keep on saying that they have to put players around him so he doesn't have pressure in his face. You know what they're saying is that this is what we should have done in the first place. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day is that the Sam Darnold experiment was, you don't see people bounce back in the league after they don't do well very often. But if you are going to have to do it, you are going to do it. You have to put them in situations to succeed. We didn't do that. So that it is a fair comment to say, we don't really know if Sam Darnold is going to work because it's hard to evaluate someone when the offensive line is the worst in the history of the world. Right. But if you're not planning on finding, they're not even planning on trying to figure it out now. They're not going to be putting pieces around. They're move on. They've already moved on, dude. He's already told us we're going to we're an overdraft picket now. Here it goes. Scott, a couple quick things. I'll let you go. And and with that said, Cam Newton came back. You had some I, I thought really great and interesting comments a couple of days ago about what you've learned about Cam since his return. And and a lot of folks would like to know, probably Cam himself, if. There's a role for him next year on this team and whether or not he can still help you. What, what's your perspective on that? Yeah, I, you know, we're evaluating that position, but I did have a chance to talk to Cam, and we just told him straightforward, hey, if we can find a role that fits for us, a role that fits for you, and it, it works out, we'd, we'd love to have Cam back. Uh, you know, I, I've said this several times in different uh, to different people. What is that? Like I, quarterbacks? Coach? I love the guy. He came in the building every day and had so much energy. He's got so much charisma and presence to him, you know, and he would come in hard days, you know, after a loss and just, you'd see him down in the cafeteria and he just lifted everybody. So there, you always have room on a roster for someone like, like him, the special person that he is. We just have to make sure we, uh, we find a place that works for him, works for us. I told him, uh, you know, we had a little, you know, probably 15 minute talk the other day on Monday. Uh, I want to sit down face to face. I know coach rule does as well. And, uh, you know, let's talk this out. Let's see how this fits. Where's it fit uh, role-wise? Where's it fit financially? And what is and, that? 
can we make this work going forward? But what we are, is that? Uh, we are very open to uh, having Cam back. I'd love to have him. They want to have him on the roster, but they don't want him to play. Yeah. They have him on the they roster and they st- don't want him to play. Played and Sam then they want to over st- him. Yeah. And, or, or like, uh, what, there, this is the stupidest answer. I don't like this answer. It's like we got to yeah. find a role. But, right, you don't believe in him. You just say this is that, you know, that you, that's what you've told us. What are you going to now use Cam as a bridge when you got a bridge uh, with you've you've had you've had three broken bridges now. Talk about burning bridges. You have built bridges that are sucky, man. And like here, you already missed the moment, bro. You missed the moment of when Cam could be that bridge. You yeah, he screwed that up. Yeah. And he could have been. He could have been that bridge quarterback instead of Teddy Bridgewater. We could have stuck with Cam. It could have been that veteran presence that the team needed while going through this change, build around him. Yeah, that's what we could have done. And then you didn't even have to be in love with Cam long term. You still could have drafted a quarterback. You still could have taken Justin Fields and had Cam Newton as your bridge quarterback. You could have drafted. Yeah, I mean, you know what? You tried to. It's just a. It's a. a It's a shit show. It's an absolute. I don't even like this response. We want to have Cam as what a cheerleader. Yeah, that means you don't believe in in him as a football player. And by the way, I don't think Cam wants to come back to this. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. After he's why would you? He needs to go. He's. I saw somebody put it. He should go to the Browns. And then for him to be thrown under the bus. For him to be thrown under the bus again after he's coming and having to play behind this terrible offensive line. He's back trying to do something for this football team. And what happens? Oh, but we can't turn the football over that much. Well, I played the video on this podcast of uh, showing Matt Rule how he handled Cam Newton when Cam Newton wasn't playing well versus how he handled Sam Darnold when Sam Darnold wasn't playing well. Two different responses. And they're still doing it. They're doing it right now in these interviews right here. We got Sam Darnold's got potential, but Cam doesn't. It's, you know, it's, but we don't need Cam's not the right answer for us right now. I'm sorry. Like it just isn't right. Is that it's too bad. Uh, it would be better. Uh, I think to just draft a, an offensive lineman and to tank next year, fire Matt rule, get a new coach and a new quarterback in 2022, 23, the 2023 draft, whatever the, not this one, the next one. That's what I think is, I think you've punched, you've pushed the timeline back. You missed your window, which was this past year. And now you punted too far. Outkicked your coverage. The the next two years. Imagine how bad Panther fans feel right now. Imagine another two years of this shit. Yeah. Man. Oh, and it's coming. It's coming. Myself in this building and then uh, as well as the football player. Do you have the means and, and the flexibility right now to pursue a veteran quarterback this offseason if that market presents itself? You can always be creative. You know, we have Samir Suleiman who's really good at uh, working the cap. You know, you can do some, uh, you know, you can rework a contract, spread money out, you know, maybe give them a bonus up front, knock down the P5 and, uh, add money to other years. So you can do things to make it work. It's difficult, uh, especially with, you know, the amount of creations we have coming up, you know, we have some really good players that whose contracts are up and we're going to ma- have to make some tough decisions. Uh, but yes, 
uh, if we get creative and we, uh, you know, these are guys that we decide we want back, they add value to our team. They're the ones that can help us win. Uh, we'll make it work. All right, so uh, we, we, so much offensive talk. We know that the bulk of the effort's going to be on that side, but I don't think the defense is a finished product. I think it's safe to say you could probably use another piece or two. Uh, w- with what you have available at your disposal, what, what are you seeking to continue to, to uh, you know, grow and improve that defense? Well, I think what we need to do on defense is our defensive line has to be more physical on the edges. You know, we, need, need to get, we need to get that defensive line or five tech that can really set that edge in the run game. Uh, you know, two hundred eighty-five pound guy that plays physical. When they're when teams start to run the ball against us, we can stand in there. We're a team that's built right now to rush the quarterback. We have you know explosive athletes on the edges. We have speed, but we don't have a lot of physicality and, and uh, toughness on that edge. So that's what that's one area we need to add. Uh, middle linebacker would be nice to add a stout guy in the middle, and then uh, basically a playmaker on the back end. Got someone with speed at safety. Play over the top. It'll allow you know Jeremy Chin to drop down in the box, and someone that's really smart back there. Someone that's a great communicator. Everything I've said that we've Yeah. Okay. Sure. But at the same time, do you know that all they're trying to do is address defense now? Like at the end of the day, like you have just lifted up three wants and desires for this team, but you couldn't say that you needed to get a better. Like you just. It's the blind. Like everything is about the offensive line. This defense, they said, was good enough to win if we had a better offense. So the idea that the imperative has to, yes, you got to continue to add horses to the stable of the defense. I understand that. But if we go and draft a damn middle linebacker at six, you know what I'm saying? You know, like this is like they're going to do some and, stupid shit like that. And, and you know what, Tony? We've spent the past two drafts. Pretty heavily on defense. Yes, and you, now we don't even have we don't even have a lot of draft picks to be able to get all these players that you say that we need. And Tony, that's what makes me think. Like, especially knowing Fitterer, dude, I don't think there's any way we stay put at ten or six. I, I honestly think they're looking at this position or, or at the football team, thinking that we need a lot of players. And I think Federer is going to try and, and 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 trade back, man. Because if you listen to what he just said, there's too many holes to fill. Okay, you need three offensive line positions. You need a quarterback. You need a brand new Mike linebacker. You need a brand new free safety. You need more physicality on the edges, which is apparent to everyone. Like, how are you planning to address all of these issues when you don't even have a ton of money to even be doing that? It's uh, it's worse than we thought it was, and the it, the Sam Darnold trade it gave away the assets that were needed to continue to build this. They said they're going to build this, do this the right way. They want to have a conversation with Cam and do it the right way. We want to build this team the right way, and they are blowing. They're doing every possible thing you could say the wrong way. And yeah. the idea is, and you know what? Now it's so blatant they want to trade back. They ain't even going to get a good deal. No. No, you know, they're gonna get fleeced. They're gonna get like a second for their they, pick. Yeah, I mean they've been getting fleeced on trades, uh, and then also, uh, you know, speaking about that very issue, we have all these holes to fill, and yet we don't have a lot of means to do it. Uh, they put out this chart, and uh, you can see where the, you know, uh, each different sector of the chart 
is, you know, does your team did your team do good this year? And do they have good resources moving forward? Well, the Panthers are at the very bottom left. They were not a good team in 2021, and they do not have a lot of off-season resources to be able to build it back up and fix this, man. We're blow we're blowing up and tanking the wrong year. Yeah. They they need to just listen to this show. They need to yeah. listen to this show. Man, last year, what we say, this was not the year to win. Yes, because is, there were right, so many that. good quarterbacks last year. And even when we but but it wasn't our but then how about this? Is that like they have sacrificed the future for today at every turn? Yeah. At every turn. And you know what I'm saying? It's just not the way. Uh, even like even without tanking, we haven't even done a good job of just building incrementally at this point. Uh, tough, tough, tough scenario. Um, let's see how much. Let's see if there's any more. Uh, so I think those are those are areas that we need to address. Um, and so there, there are a lot of areas that, uh, you know, we could really work with. But uh, defense, men, linebacker and safety are where we want to go. All right, so how important is it, Scott? I'll let you go on this. With, with the offensive coordinator hire that we know is coming, and you talked about a couple of days ago, how important is it to get that done and, and get those folks in the building before the draft and maybe free agency to, to make some collective decisions, to know philosophically what you're doing on offense? How important is it to get that done and maybe you know get that behind you so you can proceed with more of your work this offseason? Yeah, it's very important. It gives us direction. You know, We need to know what we're doing offensively. What type of linemen are we going to use? You know, do we need a bigger running back? What you know, what can we do with the quarterback in this offense? And really, so there's there, there's so you had much the best to learn. Quarterback um, running back in the you league, know, that doesn't slow us down on our evaluation process, yeah. processes that we have now. But once the OC comes in, then we'll figure out the fit for these players that we've evaluated and how up. they. Uh, I hear uh, where up. we take them, how they fit us going forward. Scott, I appreciate you, man. You you spent a lot of time with us here, answering a lot of questions right there. Thank you for doing. I hear blow up. I hear tank. Uh, I hear the reason. Maybe the reason they're not firing Matt Rule is because they know that is not going well, going to go well, and you might as well just let him be the sacrifice next year and tank. Because you you just told and think about this. What if you're Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick and you're hearing them say this? Yeah, that they need to be more physical on the edges. That right, they're not and that you uh, no paycheck coming for you guys. Right. So, all right. Bam. You're already, all right. Brian, like you're moving on from so that you watch Brian Burns get traded. That's what's going to happen. The one thing that I'm confident in saying, and I've already said this, Matt Rule is going to get fired in the middle of the year next year. Next year. Because David David Tepper, his nickname around these parts is Mr. Day Late Dollar Short. And that's what he's done for every decision that he's had to make. He's been a day late, dollar short. If we were going to tank for a quarterback, we should have done it last year when we had the ability to. No, you don't tank on the field, but from an organizational standpoint, you should have been trading away players and trying to get picks and value for them. And the if Panthers you, didn't do it. And you're or, right, Tony. You could have used this year to even continue that process of building assets. Instead, you gave them away. And you even got bailed out in this draft and teed up with a quarterback opportunity. You didn't take it. Yeah, and didn't take it, man. And I I maintain, again, the biggest asterisk next to this season 
is that it did not have to be this bad. It did yep. not have to be this bad. If the offensive line was managed even marginally better than it was this year, that that's another two or three games that I think we're able to pull off a victory. All right, you've heard them, the disasters of interviews that have happened, and uh, I would say the only reason Scott Fitterer's wasn't bad is because Matt Rules was even was the worst. Like, I didn't even like what Scott Fitterer had to say. Um, and what I mean is, is that, again, we've pulled back the curtain and seen a burning fire. You know, it's like you come home from vacation and you left the kids alone, and you come home and it's way worse than you even expected. And yeah. you had poor expectations. I'm telling you, it's a disaster right now. There's a power struggle happening between Matt Rule and Fitter. You can already see it. And, man, they're turning on their players at this point. He just called out. The GM just said, I mean, I don't know. Uh, right now, and you know what they also said is this, is that we're going to let the offensive coordinator dictate our future. How yeah, about that? He, yeah. How about also, that? Yeah, what kind so of dumb. nonsense is that at this point? It's like. That means they can't go forward with their evaluation process and looking at players because they don't know what kinds of players they need. Do they need and why do or? we even, why do we, I'm still trying to figure out why we need Matt Rule. We don't. If this is going to be built because this offensive core, you should just hire him as the coach. Dude, it's embarrassing, That's the C3 man. Panthers podcast. Um, devastation, destruction, and Matt Rule's disaster of an interview. My name's Tony Dunn. You can follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. You can check out the Friday free for all on Friday nights. Cody Lashney mans that. How are, uh, how can they find you and your other work, Cody? Yeah, find me on Twitter at Cody Lack right there on the screen. C O D Y L A C. I am the Panthers analyst at drafttech.com. There's a brand new mock draft up. Uh, please go check that out. Um, I think you're going to like the player that I have the Panthers selecting. Um, and then tomorrow, we do the Friday free-for-all at 7 p.m., and you can join the show. Just like me and Tony are on here now, tomorrow you can be on the show. I post the link to the StreamYard in the chat box and in the, the description below, and literally anyone can come hang out and be a part of the podcast and talk about the Panthers and, um, you know, just have a good time, man. Join the cult of Friday free for all tomorrow at 7 PM. Be there, be square. Smash the thumbs up button. Check out our other work. Subscribe to the show. We're on iTunes, tune in stitcher, Spotify, go download the podcast just to get our dang numbers up, man. We got to keep building this, building this fan base back up. We're going to do it together. We appreciate your support. Tim Tizzy, Josh, John Paul Taylor, Brandon M, Trill One, Dan Floyd, Brad Holt, Jarek Cole, Darren Jennings, The Game Guy, Dopey Nightlife TV, Panthers Rule, and a bunch of people that weren't even Panther fans checked in. That's how bad it is, is that other teams that are in bad shape checked in with us to feel better about themselves. That is, thank you, Brats, Man, Sacks. We made you feel better because at least you have hope, hope and future, the future ahead of you. We have none. It feels like that. Um, take us out of here, Cody. Panther Nation, until tomorrow at 7. Keep pounding.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.